What is up to our sidekicks and hench folk in the Geek Nation? My name is Noel, and I will be your temporary host today on the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, also known as Spoiler Alert, where we talk about this past week's comics and potentially just spoil a few. Um, I'm your temporary host. JD is not here today. Uh, I'm a shopper and part-time employee at Recording Live as well from Johnny Destructors here (laughs) At 4327 Main Street in Philadelphia, PA, nestled in the nice little neighborhood of Maniunk. Um, with me today is Len. Yo, what's up, everybody? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. Happy Sunday. Also joining us in this little adventure we call life. Hey. Brian. It is. You're right. It's Brian Lee. I'm here. How are now, you? And we- Robert Monroe Jr., good morning. Says, <laughs> oh, we're already in the comments. We're in it. We're oh, in it. Yeah. I mean, you um, say good morning. You say good morning. <laughs> we, have, we have a ridiculously packed show today, um, so we're gonna like literally jump right into it. However, mm. we also uh, part of the reason why we're so packed is because we have uh, uh, amazing guests today. So um, to fill to fill the JD shaped hole, we've we've uh, brought two extra people in because um, we got the feedback. We know we're not good at this. Just, <laughs> we're doing our best. Um, Who said that to you? <laughs> His subconscious. <laughs> Nobody so, said anything to me and you, B. They said it's all, it's all in no, no, so, no sweat uh, in, in his bed. If you guys can give me, if you can give me like a, a, a mock drum roll. Um, first, but not last, joining us today is... Hey, it's Brandon. Hey, it's Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, that was it. Um, also, <laughs> <Is that> it? <laughs> also, uh, don't put your drums away. Keep oh, going. Hang on a second. Yeah, go great. Go get a drum. Keep going. Okay. We also with us have today um, returning champion, favorite uh, fan favorite, returning champion, um, heart of hearts. Thief of Thieves, Men of Men, Rob, Optimus Dish, Patey. Hello. Hey. I'm here to fill JD's holes. <laughs> All the ones that are shaped like his, shaped oh, like him. I, just shaped I mean, like listen, him. Rob's here, I'm here. If JD has happened to have two holes, we can fill those. That's right. <laughs> it's, called, it's called the London Bridge. <laughs> so, so um, we were able we were able to bring Patey back in for um, actually Rob. How, how would you like to be referred to other than sex pot? No, Patey, Rob is fine. Optimus is fine. Optimus douche is fine. Hey, just don't call me late for dinner. I'm not going to call you Optimus douche. Yeah. No, don't. Rob. That's fine. That name's fine. <laughs> Rob works. It's the Christian uh, name. Rob is Rob is always in our our group chat 
while we're talking about the show and he has to, he has to just like feel our drivel constantly and the conversations back and forth about what we like and dislike. And every once in a while, uh, he'll just pop in and be like, meh. But for yes. some reason he expressed interest in what's going on with his X-Men garbage. So Brandon <laughs> and I jumped on it. This is true. <laughs> He's like, you should read this. You should read this. Don't check this out first. Do this. So we convinced him. It didn't take much convincing, to be honest with you, because as soon really as you didn't. just expressed yeah. interest, you were like, you were going to do it anyway. Um, to explore House of X powers of 10 and that we would talk about it. Your impressions, uh, review, yes. our thoughts at the time, our thoughts in retrospect, and maybe if you enjoyed it, which titles to continue with. So we're going to have a right. nice little like cool. book club feature at the end of a couple of reviews. Sound cool, fellas? Sounds cool. for me. Uh, we are going to stick with our normal reviews first. We're going to do like four or five of them. I presume Rob didn't read these. So we'll have some cool commentary based off of nothing but context clues. Wait, right. Uh, Absolutely uninformed opinion, which is what I love this. <laughs> it's like having a live uh, internet forum, just like right there in real time. Um, so... The first comic we're going to talk about today is, and because we talked about all other issues of this title, we're just going to go for it. Future State, The Next Batman, number four, by DC Comics, written by John Ridley, John Ridley, Vida Ayala, and Paula Sevenbergen, with art by Laura Braga, Emanuela Lupacino, and Aneke. And all of these Future States um, solicits are long as hell, so bear with me. The next Batman goes head-to-head -head with the Magistrate's shock troops to protect the guilty? It's a savage running battle across Gotham City, and it will have the next Dark Knight fighting overwhelming odds to prove that justice still lives in the heart of a broken city. Also, in the finale of Batgirls, after discovering the person locked up in High Security Cell is the one who's been sending out Batman Live signals to the Resistance, Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane must work together to make sure that that person will escape from their prison. Plus, in the conclusion of Gotham City Sirens, Catwoman and the new android Siren hide out in Poison Ivy's newly built paradise where they discuss their past relationships, including what Catwoman has or had with Batman. But when Peacekeeper forces arrive, the new Siren will have to make the sacrifice to save her new friends. So I'll just be completely upfront. I did not read the Gotham City Sirens uh, a part of this issue. We didn't and have to. I struggled through. <laughs> <laughs> you make your so, own choices, Brandon. <laughs> the, um, this is like this issue just almost encapsulates everything I like and dislike about like the new sales model at DC. So I really, really enjoyed the wrap up to the next Batman. It was a really, really solid four issue, interesting story told with uh, a green Batman and a moral quandary. Very simple story. Um, the world that they built around it has no uh, conclusion and it's nothing but plot threads when it comes to the actual characters and mm. we have no next issue. So I'm like, cool, disappointed. But then, but then the, the second, the second back or the first backup, the, the back girls in prison one, it was C plus. It was fine. It was all right. That it jacked up the price kind of stings a little, but it wasn't a waste of time. It was, it was fun. The art was fun. Um, but that third backup was just a comic that totally doesn't fit with the other two. And I was not enjoying it. And the jokes didn't land. And I was just like, I'm out. 
But all of these extras jack up the price. It's not like they're bonuses. So yeah. in a, a weird way, too. if you want to, yeah, like it's, it's significantly way, more. If you want to continue the one story in real time, I guess you could wait for trade. Um, you got these other two middling degrees of success. Um, but other than that, that main story, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm so I enjoyed it just like a touch more than Dark Detective. Not for any other reason. Like the plot was better. The art wasn't, but the plot was better. What did you guys think, Len? Um, if only this comic was as good as the logo. I think the next <laughs> Batman logo is like is like killer. It's boss. Um, I thought that the I thought that the the Batman story was interesting. It was cool. You're right. It's a solid story right it's a solid batman story of a green of a green batman um and you kind of like introduce him to this world uh but again my biggest problem is that for some reason the book has a very i guess like 90s feel in its production value that just doesn't that just pulls me out of it a little bit and i also felt that the um the story as as cool as it, as it is, it didn't need to be four parts. I feel like it's a story that is dragged out a little longer than it needs to be just to fill up whatever their production schedule says it is. Um, I don't feel that it does a great job in creating this world of the future, future state or slate or wherever the hell we are because because the times are so all over the place, you don't know where you are in the context of the the world of dc time-wise based on the setting and the trappings and everything that's going on that that looks like in this city um so it very much feels like it could be gotham city tomorrow as opposed to gotham city in some in some future so that pulls me out of it as well it's solid it's fine it's just not anything super special i feel like it's just a, a slight story especially compared to you referenced the, the dark detective comic which i feel does have an atmosphere does feel like it is set in a different gotham that is in some you know unscheduled future but feels futuristic but still kind of like feels well worn and everything like that um and i do feel like that's a better story and the artwork is more engaging um this one just just really just felt like eh to me. The idea of the story itself is good. I just don't I think that the artwork lets down the story and thus doesn't sell all the um the ideas behind it as well as it as it could because this idea of this Batman being green but also be, like lynching on you know holding on to justice in a world where there is you know corrupt police all over the place in the forms of this magistrate there's something to be to be um there's something to be mined there especially when once you realize that this batman is a black man underneath the the bat suit um and i'm not saying that this has to lean on that so much but i just don't feel that it really 
the the production of it sells that aspect of the story as much as it could and that's why ultimately and i feel like this is a, is a bit of a of a letdown the backup stories i didn't read the gotham sirens one i don't know what's going on in the gotham sirens one i don't care what's going on in the gotham sirens one <laughs> the the Batgirl one sound kind of cool, you know, them rescuing, you know, spoiler alert, the Batgirls rescue Batgirl. So that was kind of cool. But um, because I don't know what's happening in this, it, where this fits in the timeline of future slate, I don't know how much I'm supposed to care, you know, because that the Nightwing that's referenced there, I don't know if that's the same Nightwing from the other Nightwing book. Um, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's, it's set in the same place that the future, the future state, the next Batman story is in. So I wanted to care, but I was like, ah. and then it's like the character moments between the two Batgirls. They're cute. But that could have happened in an anthology 80-page Batman special that you just put out there. Didn't and need to be did. dragged out over four pages. Oh, yeah, it did. I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, that's right, it did. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, it didn't need to be here, this backup, like you say, jacking up the price of, of this comic book. So at the end of the day, this comic book's just a, a bit of a math for me. I liked it. Um, I thought, like, as you guys said, it is... Uh, it is like a solid Batman story, right? And it's a solid Batman story that does in some ways need to take place in this different future and is, uh, makes it, you know, makes an already use of that, of that, like, um, the thing with the masks that these people are avoiding, uh, detection because of these masks, which do exist now, but are still, you know, foreseeably futuristic. Um, I've been wondering as you guys were talking, like you said, it could, it was, it's odd that it's four parts, right? And we were talking, uh, I believe in part two, issue one feels a little bit like a different story. It's like an introduction to this Batman. And then mm-hmm. there's two, three, and four, if I'm remembering correctly, is is like the, the core go, yes, story, it's right? Yeah, it's two, three, and then four. <laughs> and, yeah. and, right. Um, and as we know, this was not the original intent for the Future State stuff. I wonder how long this was going to go. If it was planned out to be like a year, this would make sense as an introductory one issue, three issue arc. I was was just going to say that this, this would have been a fantastic opening arc, but as a single story and no Mm. clear idea as to when we're actually going to pick these characters up again, Mm. it's, it's a letdown. And if this was the first arc of like like, two years, sure. Yeah. Right. Like at the end, when he has that interaction with the, some police officer, I forget who yeah. she is exactly, but and Chubbs, it's like, it? yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, something like that, and or Chubb, Chubb, Chubb. Um, so you know, it's one of those like, here's how our interaction's going to go in the future, kind of moments between the two of them that often happens in an introductory arc. Um, so I don't know, I, you know, they wanted to produce these things. There are some pretty cool moments in it. Maybe it was worth it to oh, see yeah. what was going on. But um, I, I think that's a lot of why we are noting this like window into another reality kind of story in a very real way, as opposed to most Elseworlds. This is just some me, other way that it could have gone. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Taking it at face value for what's here, the ride right now, mm-hmm. is this worth the dollars that you spent? I would say main story state overall or this particular issue. This this issue in the context of but you can't take a solitary issue 
came in. Well, so, I mean, this year. This title. This title, this title of the future state series. Yes. I um, think no. it was worth it to me, but because I like future alternate stories of DC well, characters, right? Like trying it out was was cool I for think, me and I enjoyed it. I think the the four John Ridley issues were worth it. They're a mm-hmm. great primer to this new character. I think everything else that was attached to it made it cost prohibitive to say it's worth it. I agree. There is not. Well, the backups even were not strong enough you got to make it an eight dollar book you got to land on one side of the fence brandon i guess i would probably say i would find it like it would it just barely crosses the line because like i've for me i felt the story was fine like when was saying um as far as the futuresness of it like it doesn't really feel very futuristic which i think again goes back to what future state originally was going to be because i don't think it was supposed to necessarily be in the future and so i think Mm. the stories weren't necessarily written with that as like a main thought it was supposed to like, so that's why like the magistrate stuff was teased in detective comics and stuff like that. Sort of in that the people were turning against the masked people, but it wasn't teased that like we were going to get a whole paramilitary force. And so I don't think the writers even necessarily knew that that was going to happen. I think maybe that was introduced as a way of like putting a strong distinction between this and the like main canon stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think they didn't really, aside from that thought process, they didn't really have any ideas for it. And so they didn't really do anything with it, which is why I don't think this feels very futuristic. Like, honestly, the fact that next Batman from Dark Detective feels somewhat futuristic, that honestly feels weird to me because we know that it doesn't take place that far in the future. Right. And so it's weird right. that it, it I think it's just the art future. style. There's a lot of like, I was going to say, it's, it's all damn it really. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's, yeah. he's much more atmospheric than this artist is. Yeah. But you're right, a lot of this stuff is, even if it would be futuristic to us, it's like well within comics. You know, True. like uh, sci-fi kind of nature. Sorry, but Lance. it's even like the little things, like I remember they said that they were using credits in one book instead of like normal cash. But in the main canon, like they use cash. Like when, that's something that just got to me. Like when did they switch their whole monetary system? Well, we're in, like, in sort of a years. slow takeover right now from one thing to another. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. This I think this this harkens back to the conversation we had previously about what the f the goddamn timeline is for this. Yeah. So some of the books are near future, some of them are far future, some of them are decade, two decades, three decades, and they're not coming out in any kind of chronological order because even the backup in this concludes at events that take place before Dark Detective, which takes place before this, whereas still the next Batman and the Dark Detective met each other. So when is anything? Uh, like they met each other in their last issue. But this it's, gets just, a, it's, it's all muddy as hell. But, but this gives a little window into how effed up this whole future state thing was going to be and possibly why they, they, they trashed it. Because if this was supposed to be some type of like, you know, across the board agenda for the entire production uh, publishing of DC Comics, then regardless of where in this world everybody, all the books are set, you would think there would be one overarching world from where you build off of, you know, the spine. This is what Gotham is, right? 
you know, this is what Gotham is in 2010, 2020, 2030, whatever. And then you build from there. These are these certain aspects have to be. And and that way you could at least see some semblance of a similarity in all of these stories, regardless of wh- where they're set. But they, they didn't even do that in the Batman books. Like, if you only do that in yeah. the Batman books, which are, which are focused in Gotham City, then you've got, you've got better storytelling. I mean, they just announced a Future State Gotham book, so you'll get it after the fact, maybe. <laughs> well. Anyway. Um, does anybody but, have but, any wait, wait a minute, but wait a minute. This is, this is my question. This is my answer to, to Rob, why I don't feel this is worth it. And while I, I, this is maybe slightly different and unfair, what I will say is that the world of Batman White Knight, which admittedly is an else world and of it is, is what it is, but it was however many issues the first the first book was, um, an introduction into this world. It was seven, eight. eight. It was eight. So it was eight. It was eight issues into this world, even if it was four, if you know you're only doing four, then what you do is you give a solid story that builds the world, but you know that you've got four sto- you got four issues to give yourself a, gotta be a bit of a bang, bang story. It's gotta be a story that pops. If it's going to be more or less Batman Gotham Central, which is what this is, this is Future State Central for the most part, then yeah. it's, it's gotta be a tight ass detective story. This is not a bad crime story, and it sold well in the first issue. The last, the 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 last three, they don't sell it atmospheric to me. If this is, if this same story has the atmosphere of issue one, maybe I buy this in trade on this alone. But this right here, it looks almost like coloring book to me compared to issue one, and thus does not um, coalesce as one solid story or book or trade worth my buying and it's a shame you know you guys are talking about trades and i wonder if that has a lot to do with the new format for anthologies right like they are thinking we'll eventually put this out in trade and that's what's going to be sold for in the future who's thinking that way since the 1990s they've been building and producing comics for trade i right but no i'm thinking that this strategy is like we're going to put a bunch of stuff out and then collect them in different size trades. Eh, who knows? Yeah. I also think, I mean, w- with Wen's point, I think that would have been how they should have done it, but I think they just couldn't like the story, I think was probably almost like the, the structure of it and everything was probably written before they decided to switch to the future state thing. And so it was like, this is my first arc and I, we have to stick like this is what I'm going to do with it. And so once they decided this is your only arc, it was a little too late to like completely write a different story. That's what mm-hmm. I'm assuming happened. And uh, when it comes to collected, they actually announced how they're going to collect a lot of these, and it's yeah. going to be like what, like the John Ridley stuff is going to be collected separately. All the Gotham oh, stuff is going to be in like yeah, anthology things. Yeah, yeah. The one and two issue stuff, like the. The Wonder Woman stuff is going to be lumped in with the Superman stuff. It's just a mess. Oh, please. God, no. <laughs> it's just a mess. I mean, she's um, in that, too. Oh, you mentioned the first issue. There's also there's that story with the guy who used to be a cop, and now the one cop goes to him, and he's like, I know you're helping people plan, but your deal is that they only plan one crime, and then they're out of Gotham forever. And that is like not I don't even remember really. that. I yeah, remember he's that the one that set up those, too. 
the two who become the the main criminals of the of the story he mm. set them up but it's it's like a seed for this ongoing plot that uh you know that I doesn't happen that at all but everything think, points to much longer stories for this i i think that there's going to be uh, hopefully someday maybe 20 30 years from now there'll be a great um oral history of the bullshit that was DC <laughs> comics from rebirth on and all of the firings and hirings and acquisitions and weird struggles. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. You can, you can just go ask Dan Didio now. He'll talk about something. I was going to say like, <laughs> can he just, okay. can he just like recite it and then have somebody like Howard Chaykin draw it and it'll just be like a Hey Kids Comics volume three or something. <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh, we'll change some names. Yeah. Like it'll be, Hmm. Gioff Johns instead of or Don 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 Schmidio, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're going to be acquired by BT and T. Um, so <laughs> be acquired with, by British, British Telecom. That's where. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so, case in contrasts, I'm going to now read the solicit for King in Black number four by Marvel Comics, written by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Are you guys ready for this? The last one was long. This one's just as epic. Chapter four, lightning. What's a god to a king? And scene. Oh, that's, that's so descriptive uh, of the issue. This is it, yeah. Uh, it actually almost has nothing to do with the issue. But uh, I'm I, like, I, I already know what Len's going to say. I'm all in on this event. It's dumb. And I love it. It's like, it's good dumb. It's like stupid blockbuster, lots of popcorn, convoluted stuff from current and past Marvel history in a nice little blender. You see all the holes, but for some reason they're just like placard with entertainment so I don't care. This is just cool. I loved it. Um, I really, really dug the... I, I guess we'll spoil it. Um, they've been teasing this God of Light thing and hmm. halfway through the issue specific characters are talking about it and I'm like, is this the fucking Phoenix Force? Yeah, what is I'm this? So worried this is about. stupid. This is stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then they smack you with mm. uh, Captain Universe. I was like, oh, shit. Well played. Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Who remembers Captain Universe? I remember Captain Universe. I always love it when Captain Universe shows up. What do you mean remember? I just, and and retconning, retconning the way that it works as though it would have been a symbiote, but then also inserting Jason Aaron's Thor run is the impetus for the idea of having the two light and dark entities together. They, you know, the, the two in the past, the dark and the light night looking things like what that was null, And the other one was the entity that becomes captain universe, both symbiotes. I was like, this I'll is great. You, when I this saw is like fun retconning. Yeah. When I saw that it was like, Oh, the light was created. And it's this golden guy I was like, could it be Captain Universe? Who else could it be? Who else would be like an energy there, right? And then when you see Gene for a second, I was like, it could be Phoenix. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I, I liked him showing up. That's a good time. What's Doctor Strange's deal here? Would it be slam the game? If anybody read um, Donny Kate's run on Doctor Strange, which was right after Jason Aaron's, he um, the first arc of it was <laughs> it was like in a card game or a bet. He lost the title of Sorcerer Supreme to Loki. So yeah. lo in the first arc, Loki was the Sorcerer Supreme. In order for Doctor Strange to kind of like take it back, he did like a spell with what's the tree called? 
can you grab him. Thank you. Um, like a piece of the tree, did a whole thing, and he was able to kind of imbue him with uh, the magic of gods for a short period of time. So it was just a callback to that. Oh, wow. Which was, yeah. It, it took me a second to remember that because I read that shit a long time ago. But yeah, it wasn't really set up. Oh, right on. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ren. I was just going to say, this issue was fun for me as someone who has not been reading any of King and Black. I just read this issue because I knew we were talking about it. And like, I liked it. It was fun. Um, I have no idea who most of the people were. Like, I don't know who that <laughs> kid was. I, obviously, it's, I know that. The oh, that's characters. Eddie Brock's kid. Mm, He's tied to the symbiotes. Uh, mm-hmm. I understood fashion. that. I didn't. Yeah. They were like, "You use your powers." I was like, "Cool, I guess he has powers." I don't know <laughs> what they are, but he's got them. <laughs> I'm, not, he, I'm not really clear like, on what they are either. What is is anybody? It's, okay. Yeah, it's it's almost like a telekinesis when it comes to symbiotes. Like he mm. can deny them, but then also control them to some degree. Mm. Like he's got a genetic disposition towards them, mm. the so he can like me. force them off people and force them off himself. Mm. That, that 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 makes sense based on what he does. Um, but the thing to me, the Captain Universe thing is a little interesting. At first, I was like, "Cool, that's great." And then I was thinking about like the only Captain Universe stuff I've read, which is Hickman's run, or Captain Universe in Hickman's run. And I don't know. It's one of those things where like retcons, I guess they never completely work. And so I was thinking, like, does because like in that one, it was more, it was very much the Captain Universe existed for the universe. It it never implied that like. To me, at least, that the cap that it was like it was it existed to fight a darkness or anything like that. It was like Captain Universe is like the mother of the universe and exists as the universe itself. It also never seemed like Captain Universe was um was like a an entity in the universe. It very right. much felt like Captain Universe was the embodiment of the universe itself. Well, so, that may even have been that that may have been a retcon itself. That's that true. was that yeah. was. Because uh, it was the Enigma Force, which is the cool line in here. The Enigma mm-hmm. Force solved, um, and there probably was an origin. I don't remember what it was, but he, he laughs yeah. at himself too. Um, like uh, yeah. Reed laughs at himself, like <laughs> Captain Universe, like in, in in so like in air quotes, in so much as like we were so simple and stupid to just call it Captain Universe when it's mm-hmm. this yeah. this entity that is. Um, and uh, what you mentioned, Brandon, I don't necessarily think those two things are mutually exclusive. Like mm-hmm. something that uh, an entity designed to protect the universe from whatever is the, is kind of just the same side or is a different side of the same coin when it comes to uh, force for lights in absolute void. But what I mean is like in, in Hickman's run, it wasn't like an entity created to protect the universe. It was like the universe taking the form of a person. Like it even could still be st- right. The universe yeah, is yeah. like, those, Oh, this other part of me is not to my liking. Yeah. I'm going to do something about that. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I just remember like Captain universe would, would like say, cause like the whole thing about Hickman thing was that like the universes were dying and stuff. And like, uh, the Captain universe would say like, I am dying. Like I feel the pain. So it was very much like, I am the universe itself. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was, what is Hickman that. Now? Yeah. <laughs> I remember him from Spider-Man. When Spider-Man got oh, yeah. the universe, mm. oh yeah. Uh, um, what it, I mean, I think I know. I think I know that you loved it, Len. Just <laughs> tell me how much you loved it. <laughs> the scale of one mm. to eight million. <laughs> well, the scale of ten to ten, <laughs> and being the highest, how much did you enjoy every second of this? Uh, I read King in Black uh, number four because I was told to do that for the for the show, <laughs> and. <laughs> Um, no, you know, honestly, honestly, I got to say, 
reading this, I, for the first time in a long time, reading all of these crossovers, got a bit of Crisis on Infinite Earths vibe, which I still believe is the high water mark of all of these big crossovers. Um, it was it it got me. It was it's dumb, like Noel said, it's dumb. Um, but it was kind of fun. I never I was glad to I was actually glad to see Jean Grey pop up because I knew I was like, well, they're not going to pull out the Phoenix Force if they got her in her old costume. No, this this light that this <laughs> this is Len. This is Len's excitement about Jean Grey. Yeah. <laughs> well, my excitement based off of his. Um, positive indifference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going crazy. <laughs> I, it, it, it was, it was, it was fun. You know, it's fun to see Gene. Um, there was a little McFarlane Spider-Man swipe in here that I noticed that I know JD would notice. That was kind of cool. Um, it was. It, you know, the, the Black Silver Surfer, they pulled out Captain Universe. I didn't even know anything about Hickman's using using Captain Universe. So my my time with Captain Universe is way back in the, what, like 70s, 80s with um, Steve. Micronauts. Yeah, Micronauts and yeah. Steve Ditko was drawing the book and everything like that. And he was like, had a stupid costume. So I was like, okay, they're doing something with Captain Universe. God bless them. Stupid costume. Was it the is it the like the silver and kind of blue Starfield one with the Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know I, I know you're not gonna rep for that costume, Brian. <laughs> we might no, be thinking me... of different eras of that costume, but the one I'm thinking of, I will rep for. <laughs> okay. Rep for that um but at the end of the day, reading this book, it was dumb, it was stupid, but I was like, okay, it's fun. I, I had fun reading this one. I, I did not dislike reading this comic book. I mean, Dr. Strange turned into Gandalf. That was all I needed. I was like, nobody else, is everybody seeing what I'm saying here? They're fine with it? I'm like, what else is going on? Okay. That Dr. Strange Strange run was really fun. It was just like 12 issues of of silly awesome. But anyway. um, What about who gets the force, right? Like, I didn't see it coming at all, but once it happened, I was like, oh yeah, well, that makes sense. I, oh yeah, they couldn't. They could. They couldn't keep him dead. Right. Well, I didn't think he was going to stay dead, but we were talking about he would like come out of the symbiote matrix in some way or something like that. Oh, and we didn't talk. Did it, I think it happened in a side issue? But they in in the I think in Venom proper they, you know how everyone with like everyone that died was in the hive. All the mm-hmm. former users of the symbiote were like their minds were inside the hive, but they had no mm-hmm. like form. Um. They established a way to get through that into the real world in the main book. So I was like, oh, that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. And which also means that potentially Flash is back, which I'm very that's excited about because cool. Flash Thompson's awesome. Yeah. But they don't talk about it in this. Um, so I was like, oh, that's how they're going to do it. It was just another misdirect on how what they were going to do with Eddie after this, mm-hmm. which was really cool. This is no. like good. This is good. Um, uh Overly dramatic soap opera-y superhero comics, just done in a mm-hmm. in a very earnest, fun way, as opposed to, you know, too <laughs> shitty. I, I like will it say to see coming to, uh, uh, coming together, which is nice too. This is issue four. Things are starting. Yeah. You know, like Silver Surfer plot seeds are paying off. That kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say in comparison to the other like dumb fun event that I recently read, which was Death Metal. This was much, I like this much more, even though I've only read one issue. Mm. If I were to pick up one random issue of death metal, I would not be able to follow it nearly as much as I was able to follow this. Like this was definitely, 
Well, I mean, they don't intend for you to only read issue four. Right, but I mean, like, well, this issue is still, like, easy to read, even though I haven't read the previous ones. Like, I was still able right, to follow yeah. the story pretty well, which right, I think is it. a testament to the storytelling. Hmm. So. I, I think, they, I think they, had, they had very different goals, too. Death Metal yeah. was, was established to just, like, set up uh, everything matters. Here's the whole kitchen sink, whereas this is um, escalation towards that. Or it has been over the last... 30 plus issues yeah. of the feels- run. Like it's been an escalation towards all this crazy shit at once, as opposed to you started, you know, fade in all the shit is happening at once. And here's yeah. all the convoluted reasons why it was like a rear reverse Which engineered. Is, I guess that, that that's a whole thing about death metal, but like, cause death metal had a lead up to it, had that whole justice week run. Was supposed I, to lead yeah, up yeah. I mean, it had, I, they took threads from freaking Grant Morrison's run yeah. on Batman. Mm-hmm. For, so it was, it had a lot of, it had a lot of research material that you could have explored in order to understand every facet of it better, but mm-hmm. it was relatively incomprehensible if you were just jumping in. Yeah. This right. also is a like much, this is a little bit more. I feel like this is a much, um, an oddly a smaller story than mm-hmm. death metal is right. Like, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff happening, but it's, it's an event that is occurring. It's not line wide and, and, um, Whereas death metal was like a, a whole like continuity reset kind of uh, kind of feel. So they just feel like different stories. This feels a little closer to like Empire, where it does it is building on a lot of stuff that has been going on a while. Um, and maybe it's just because I haven't been reading that stuff that it feels that way. You know, it's funny you mentioned Empire too. People have a lot of people online have been talking because like they're they're releasing an omnibus soon of the whole event with all the tie-ins together. Mm. And a lot of people are asking, like, I skipped this. Was it good? I skipped this. Was it good? And every single I time it. I see that, you just jump in with the, it was solid as shit. Like, yeah. no one was talking about it, but it was just, like, really solid. Good. Do I have to yeah. read all the other titles? Like, do you know about the Kree Scroll War? Because that's pretty <laughs> much it. Like, yeah. it's it's essentially a sequel to a 40-year-old yeah. storyline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's, let's plow through the next two books. All right. So the next one we're going to talk about was just something that I kind of grabbed um because it looked it was different and we never talk about valiant comics because they've been they've disappeared for a while um so this is savage number one by valiant comics written by max bemis uh with art by nathan stockman um from the mad minds of international superstar max bemis and powerhouse artist nathan stockman comes the craziest action book of 2021 teenage heartthrob feral social icon dinosaur hunter Born and raised on an uncharted island full of prehistoric dangers, Kevin Savage has a taste of home when a mutant dino threat invades England. So, I I know Valiant has... Um, I've never really read much Valiant. This is a conversation that's happened before. I've dipped in here and there with a lot of their expanded titles of Bloodshot and, and Exo Man of War and stuff, just like in and out. I've got some at home that I'm going to probably read at some point, but I just never have. Um, so I have no idea if this is a like established character that they're just rebooting or if it's, it is Rob, um, Rob is not a yes because you're a big Valiant guy, or at least you used to be, right? I wasn't. Well, I'm not a comics guy anymore, but yes, I read the shit out of that. <laughs> um, I, like, uh, so I wanted to just, because Rob was coming to the show, I was like, he could tell us about Valiant. How is this as a first issue, whether it's an established character or not? And number ones are always usually easy to grab onto. So, um, I thought it was cute. The art was great. Um, the the characters were very one note, but I mean that as a compliment. It wasn't mm-hmm. hard to kind of like penetrate this story. It was just boom, 
all on the page. And then it kind of ended in a weird, wacky way. In a weird way, it reminded me of 52, where mm. you would kind of be focusing on one really simple story. And then they would introduce at the very, the cliffhanger would be an introduction of a mm. bunch of like weird shit. And you're like, mm. okay. Um, and then it would just take another turn in the next issue. So um, all in all, I thought it was fun. I liked it. I, I like Max Bemis as a writer. I haven't read anything of his since Moon Knight, though. And Is that was like, fleeting. I uh, have known somebody with a name spelled like that who pronounced it Bemis, I believe. I have no clue. All right. That's all the info I have on that. But, uh, but what did you guys think? Uh, Brandon first. I surprisingly liked it because at first I was like, this is kind of boring. And like, Noel, you put the books together. So whenever I'm reading them, I'm always wondering like, what about this? Like, why did Noel put this on the list? Is it that it was really good? (laughs) Is it that it was really bad? Like what made Noel want to put this on the list? And now I know it was the Valiant connection. Cause like, as I was reading it though, I was like, this feels average. I wasn't finding anything super interesting about it until the dinosaurs show up in London and play baseball with Big Ben and a car. And I was like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And when he like jumped into the dinosaur and killed it, and he was like, I'm going to kill all of these dinosaurs. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I kind of wish they had maybe, I don't know, spent a little more time on that. Like maybe instead of it being like the last quarter, maybe make it the last half or something like that. Cause just the whole first bit with like, just him not enjoying London got kind of tiresome to me after a while. Like it was kind of generic. Like this kid is like a fish out of water and he doesn't like it. And everyone else is trying to make him something that he's not and everything like that. It just, that stuff was kind of average to me. Like it didn't, it wasn't anything new. It read to me like it is halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It read to me like a ham fisted, uh, commentary, uh, a very poor commentary on, um, influencers and social media like this Tarzan boy reappears, but he just so happened to be a part of a wealthy family. So they essentially turn him into a commodity really quick with followers and social media and setting him up on dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, it was, it was comical. And then when the, like you said, when the violence starts, yeah, it's really gnarly violence. Mm-hmm. Like he cuts into a, a dinosaur and then comes out of its eyeball like he goes into yeah. the dinosaur's ear, comes out its eyeball and like scrambles yeah. its brain. I'm like, this is insane. This is just straight up insane. And I'm kind of on, I'm kind of down. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was wondering how he was going to handle that. Uh, <laughs> this guy <laughs> is going to handle the ones who are using big Ben as a club. Um, uh, but you know, he took care of it. Um, yeah. I felt, I think I agree with you guys. It was like, you know, the beginning was like, all right, you know, this is all right. It was, um, it, it didn't really grab me, but it, by the end, I found myself thinking like, oh, this is interesting. There were a couple of interesting moments or like character pieces um, that, you know, it was good. I, the fact that it's a reboot is, uh, Rob, was this, is this basically a modern version of that character or was it substantially? Right. So different? you don't know Savage, but what if I say to you, gentlemen, Turok the Dinosaur Hunter. I know Thank that you. guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wait, is, right. is this the same character? Or is because that the of li- Because of okay. licensing and other bullshits, uh-huh. this is that version. So we all know Valiant was started by Jim Shooter in the 90s. He grabbed, he got ousted from Marvels, grabbed some gold key characters, and went off and started his own awesome collected universe of intertwined continuity nirvana. 
You did not miss a beat between books and between series and referentials and polls. And, and, and the threads were just, you know, intricately entwined into a Gordian knot of greatness. Then Jim Shooter being Jim Shooter. Yeah, I loved it a little bit. Then Jim Shooter uh, being Jim Shooter and just the guy who likes to piss off the world. He lost those rights. He went off and formed Defiant, whatever. That's a whole sideline. Um, flash forward 10 years, the whole thing gets resurrected again. And in that interim, there was a kerfuffle with some of the gold key licensing, specifically Solar Man of the Atom and our good friend Turok the Dinosaur Hunter. And I really hope it's not because of that shitty game on the N64, Tarak, because that would just make me so sad pants, but it might be. Um, <laughs> and thusly, you now have Savage because of hmm. 20 years of licensing bullshit. I, wasn't there a, wasn't there a, a Tarak comic also? Oh, yeah. Like they had a yeah, tie-in comic. Yeah, 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 was, yeah, yeah. They was did, it Dynamite? Yeah. Was it Valiant? It was Valiant. Hmm. Uh, this was this was cool. Uh, not knowing that it's like, um, poor man's Turok, middle class man's Turok. What's a good uh, uh, Turok? Turok pastiche. Turok pastiche. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, pastiche. So is Turok usually in the other world, the far away, or does he come back and he is is in in like roughly our in world? in Exo Man of War? He came back in our world. And that was what, you know, again, talking about the intertwining between the books, you could read Exo Manowar and Turok in lockstep with each other and get a great epic out of it. And this is this is the um, 70s stuff you're talking about, right? 90s. 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 I'm sorry. Uh, But not the the relaunch in like mid 2000s, right? Right. Right. Because that's the stuff that I have that I was going to try. Uh, well, no, and there's some good stuff. Harbinger is really good. That's what I have. I've got Harbinger, Harbinger uh, Wars, yeah. and Quantum and Yes. Mighty. All right. So Harbinger is X-Men very well self-contained and modernized. Um, Harbinger oh. has always been amazing in both iterations, the 90s and the mid-2000s one. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Okay. I love the Jim Kruger, um, Solar, Men in the Atom stuff. Oh, fuck. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> he just finished. <laughs> Len, Len, what did you think of this book? I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun comic book. Um, it actually reminded me, and I wanted to, I wanted to look it up to make sure that I got the name. There was this comic book from the '90s that um, John Arcudi and the first time I was introduced, I was introduced to Doug Monkey as an uh, artist was uh, called Major Bummer. Which was about this, like this big, like like this slacker nineteen year old, but who was like beefy as fuck. He's super smart, but he just didn't care about anything. Like he could be like the world's greatest hero if he wanted to, but all he wanted to do was just sit at home and just like watch cable TV all day. And he was good looking, so he got women. And it was funny. It was it was it was a silly comic book. And it's for some reason the 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 tone of that of this reminded me of that. I definitely thought I was getting some because I I had some loose idea of Torok and knowing this was Valiant and I know that they're big like you know redoing a lot of their stuff. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is kind of like them trying to take on Torok. So when you said that, I was like, ah, boom, um, <laughs> kind of do, do something with him because I I remember that whole rights situation that came down with it. Um, but it was fun. It was silly fun. I, Look, if a comic book introduced dinosaurs in it and they make it work, and like Brandon said, they're playing baseball, the dinosaurs are playing, I was like, yo, I'm with it. 
I am I am with it. This is a guy who sat here and watched the old Godzilla from versus uh King Kong from the 70s just this weekend. So I, this is this is this is my jam. I was here for it. Oh, yeah. Also, that's a testament I think to the action and everything because I usually don't care about dinosaurs and stuff like that. Like it doesn't interest me at all. And like large creatures and stuff, I've never seen Godzilla. I don't care about any of those things, honestly. Um, <laughs> so the fact that this book still like grabbed me, even despite that, I think is a testament to the storytelling and like the art and the, like I said, the action and everything. I think it was really well done. Yeah, uh, yeah. I um, it was. I I pulled this as a as a whim, and I'm kind of glad I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and also too, uh, giant monsters is the way to go. That's right. Things in life, like last night. Last night, um, yeah. we we did this like local brewery tasting <laughs> yeah. thing that you could bring home. Was there a after, giant monster? After a couple of beers, for some reason, I just ended up like constantly putting on the third act of a bunch of giant monster movies. And I, oh. I think we ended on um, Pacific Rim and picking up a giant like barge as a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. A, I'm like, this is stupid. Great. I'm just very happy with this right now. And then, like, the end of Godzilla, the King of Monsters. People shrink down, and regular things are giant to them. Like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Well, you don't get get the weird, you don't get the weird, like, lumbering speed, though. (laughs) It's different. Uh, There's something something so funny about the end of of this issue. Yeah. Like, we all were talking, like, the, the, is anyone interested in the science people? It feels like it feels like Tio Morrow and and Doctor Egghead, just like these weird, mad scientists that are just like, oh, hello, come yeah. with us. Like, so it, it, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of or intrigued. Like a little bit of um, maybe um, like uh, the Doom Patrol uh, mm. season one mm. of this. I think that was from the comic, mm. but I'm not sure. Where there's like a weird government agency, little Umbrella Academy kind of um, vibe to this particular one, but. Uh, mm. Yeah, and and like each one of them looks weird in their own way, yeah, kind of place. Um, yeah, I would, I would, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna add this to my poll, but six months from now, as a trade, this might be, this might be a fun light read, like a palate cleanser. Mm. Uh, for, real, real quick, and and I know Brandon is is, is not susceptible to any type of suggestion, <laughs> but. Lest you be tempted by Robert Monroe Jr.'s suggestion to you, Brandon, that you watch the first Godzilla movie because it stands the test of time. No, it doesn't. Do not watch the first Godzilla movie. If you are not into Godzilla, to big monsters, don't watch it. Honestly, if you're not into big monsters, you're not into big monsters. I don't think you're fine. You'll do fine. You like other things. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. You're good. But don't do don't that. be don't let yourself be defined by large creatures. Yeah. <laughs> don't let anyway. them tell you who to you who to be. Speaking exactly. of, there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there somewhere, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of large creatures, hmm. Shadow Doctor number one. Uh didn't work at all as a segue. Like uh do- Shadow Doctor number one by Aftershock <laughs> Comics. Written by Peter. I'm, I'm powering through. <laughs> <laughs> written by Peter Calloway with art by George's Janty. Um, years in the making, this is the true story of writer Peter Calloway's grandfather, Nathaniel. Calloway, a black man who graduated from medical school in the early 1930s, unable to get and get work 
to at any Chicago hospitals because he was black and unable to secure a loan from a bank to start his own practice because he was black, he turned to another source of money in Prohibition era Chicago. Not going to say what it is. Um, as Callaway himself says, on one hand, his story represents the promise of America, and on the other hand, it shows the worst of it. I started this book completely sight unseen. I didn't read this solicit before I, I gave it a shot. It was just really cool looking on the shelf. Um, and I was oddly shocked by what it was about, the tone of it, because a title like Shadow Doctor, you're just like, cool, it's a supernatural doctor, whatever. So I, and it's Aftershock Comics, too. Yeah, Aftershock Comics, too. Like, half of the stuff we've read for Aftershock has been some sort of supernatural and or horror bend. So I give this a shot, and less than halfway through it, I'm shocked that it's a real, it's a, based on a true story. Um, and then they hit me with the Chicago Mafia as the cliffhanger, and I'm like, oh, shit. And mm. then all of the back matter, back matter is actual letters and stories and maps. I was like, oh, my God. Aftershock just surprised me with a historical drama. And yeah. it was enjoyable as hell. Like, I, I really, really liked this book a lot. What did you guys think? I enjoyed it. I really, um, I'm just like you. I was like, Shadow Doctor, uh, okay, let me get ready. You know, this, you know I'm going to like see. And, but it says Shadow Doctor, but it's a black guy on the cover with a gun in Chicago. I'm like, that doesn't sound like, that's not magic. But who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Um, and um, reading it, it really, it really took me by surprise as well. I was surprised that I felt like I'm a sucker for a period. I'm a sucker for a period drama. So like falling back into like the, the early part of the 20th century and prohibition, I was like, okay, I feel what you're going. I feel what you're doing here. Um, and I got some of the references to some of the, um, the uh, real world figures that they're kind of like alluding to without saying their names. I think that's probably like some type of licensing thing that, um, going on. Um, but I thought it, I thought the story itself was just very engaging. It was well done. The art was, was spot on. I don't want to give away. I don't think it, you, you can really, give away a lot about this but i think it's it took me so much by surprise i want to i want uh the reader you the listener out there to have the opportunity to be taken by surprise at how well done this book is um and how well it sets its tone and creates this world for the for this doctor in very short time and 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 doing that by jumping through time it's it's um it, it's still very it's it still feels very much set in a place and i'm a pr brother who does not read back matter i usually like on oh, the back matter if you need back matter to sell your book then like dude you, you've lost me but um reading the back matter just made me appreciate how how well this was done. I mean, because the back matter honestly could have been the proposal for a a novel or a movie or a TV series, and to think that this is this is for a comic book was just really spot on, and just made everything that you read before then just come feel that much more like. Uh, real and like and, and hit home and i think it was smart to have that at the end as opposed to having even a little bit of it at the beginning 
Oh, definitely. You know, just like you know, like you thought that was you thought that was dope. Wait till you check this out. Um, it really contextualizes it so much more. Where mm-hmm. you're like, here's yeah. the story. I have grown interested in this character, and then to see those notes is much more interesting. Yeah. Um, oh. I'm done. Go ahead. Were you gonna, oh, right. Um, yeah, I uh, I had a different reason for not thinking that this book was going to be what it was. It's been in the back of a couple of things that we've read recently, mm-hmm. and I haven't ever gone through it. I've just seen like the first couple of pages, and um, despite the fact that it has the word Chicago on the front, I didn't notice that, <laughs> and I just thought uh, I thought it was going to be like a war torn doctor kind of story. Mm. Um, because you know, in the beginning, they're yeah, who knows? They're they're in a fight, although they're not wearing they're not wearing uh, uniforms. Anyway, I am not um, particularly interested in the historical characters that are involved in this, and so I was a little surprised that I was so. When you get those reveals, I was like, "Oh, this really slots it into this real story that mm-hmm. I something that happened that I have no idea about." You know, like I've heard a little bit about that, uh, those people, but I had never heard of this guy before. Um, and it was very well told. I mean, this is not the kind of story, nothing supernatural happens, you know what I mean? It's uh, not not my usual style of comic, but I really found myself enjoying it. Um, and the way that he speaks about, so the, the author is the grandson of this character. Right. And the way that he talks about him in the background, like he doesn't want to... Um, like canonize this guy or, you know, lionize him too much that he is, was a good person who also did some other things that were not good. Um, and that there's a tendency kind of uh, among his family to do that, which is perfectly natural and understandable, but that he wants to try to present the story, uh, as it was. Um, yeah. And, and so that was pretty cool. Oh, real quick. I was immediately sold on, I think he's the colorist. Well, first of all, the colors are very well done. But he also puts an exclamation point at the end of his name, which reminded me of Elliot S. Magan. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, once you get into the back matter, I don't really, I don't really read that stuff either. And I didn't read all of this, but I found myself drawn into even some of the just the text describing the world, you know, around the story and that kind of thing. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Want me to go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I I like. I didn't love it um, as much, but I didn't love it as much as the other books we read. But I, I was interested in it. Honestly, the back matter is the thing that interested me the most because the idea of him continuing this story and not um, sugarcoating it uh, interests me, especially considering that he said his family usually does sugarcoat it because there's a way to tell this story and like tell about the bad stuff while also keeping the main character as the the good guy, the one yeah. who does the right thing always. Yeah. So the fact that that's not necessarily going to be the case definitely interests me. And yeah, like I'm, I, I'm interested in seeing where it goes, but also uh, similar to what Brian said, like I'm not necessarily interested in the historical figures and personally like that, like genre doesn't really interest me that much, but yeah, like the idea of telling a, hist- a historical story where the main character is not necessarily, um, always on the up and up and the book doesn't sugarcoat that, that does interest me somewhat. Yeah. There's, there's a very, there's a very palpable um, sense of uh, hidden history about, you know, like the, the, the figures in, in, in modern history that are just never named, but they're part of the, the, the ecosystem of all these big events. 
it's just a it's a surprising little story that um I think I'll follow. This was this was good. And and like it'll it'll probably be a really good standalone that you can hand off to somebody eventually. Do you know how many issues this is? Seventeen? No, I don't 17? know. I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they have solicits up to number they have solicits up to number three, and I'll say the alternate cover for number one. Gives away the visage of the person that you really <laughs> yeah. can't well, around. We are choosing <laughs> to spoil it, and it is a big reveal. But um, it's—I could see it another way. Like, well, we really is it? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. honestly, too, like the reveal itself really only worked for me because I was surprised by the subject of the book. Like, I didn't allow myself right. to be spoiled by the actual description. So when you get to that point where it is a historical drama that has to do with the mafia, and you're like. Okay, okay, okay. In Chicago oh, in the okay. 1930s. Yeah. Right, right. 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 Just, it I was mean, like, yeah. me, it was just it was like, a, it was a trickle, oh, it's a guy I've heard of. Trickle, 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 trickle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But like anyway. that was, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't expecting it to be anything that I had heard anything about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So we've spoiled um, that aspect of it already. <laughs> so so before I introduce this next book, I, I like, I'm going to apologize to Brandon because I was wrong. Um, anyway. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> The Last Ronin, number two. Uh, written by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz, with art by Isaac Escorza. Secrets are revealed as we begin to discover what happened in the past to lead to this nightmarish future. The Ronin meets an unexpected new ally, but the Foot Clan begins an exhaustive sweep of the bottom to find the vengeful mutant. And what, do, what role does Baxter Stockman play? I don't know. He wasn't in this issue. However... <laughs> Issue number one, I stuck to my guns and was just like, this is not Michelangelo because the way that that was written doesn't make any sense. It's a comma. Are you speaking to, who are you speaking to, Michelangelo? Who are you speaking to, Michelangelo? Both written the same way. I read it wrong. So I didn't, I, I swear to God, I didn't believe that it was Michelangelo. And my problem with it too was, how the fuck did he get here? Um, because the store, the first issue was just a cold open with, Barely any dialogue or character development. It was just show, right? Which is fine. Um, and I felt empty by that. This issue, you actually spend time in his head. You actually find out some of the things that occurred. Uh, you get a little more pieces revealed. And I just generally liked it more. Um, I don't think the art is awesome. At least not awesome enough to warrant the like two-month delay between each freaking issue. Um, and I hate that they depicted the turtle with no pupils in his eyes, mask or not. He's just blank white eyeballs, and mm. it's creepy as shit. Mm. Don't like it. They always look weird without their masks, right? Well, they look, I mean, when they depict them without their masks, usually they give them pupils. Well, they just give them eyeballs. Yeah. Now yeah, it's just, you, you know, you've got the, the white mask and then you take it off and it's just also white eyes mm. it's mm. it's very off-putting um mm. but besides all that i enjoyed this issue it was fun i wish it would come in uh, uh would deliver on stands in time but you know it'll be a nice collection eventually um another reason why i don't necessarily understand the 899 price point it's at least in prestige format but other than that it's like okay cool what do you guys think, uh, Brian? I liked it. Um, I've never been a reader of the Ninja Turtles comics. My association with them is mostly the, you know, the show, the animated show in the movies from when I was a kid. But I like them. Um, and it, it's an interesting story. You know, it's 
Uh, it's a cool examination of the last, the last Ninja Turtle that's around. Um, things have not gone well for them and their associates. Uh, and although April is alive, they have, and he, he and uh, Casey Jones have a daughter also named Casey, um, which is, comes as a bit of a shock to Michael. Um, Babies. Yes. Well, she was. Now she's like maybe in her early 20s. I'm not sure. But uh, we're teens. Um, yeah, it's cool. Future story involving the, a Ninja Turtle who is now more powerful than before. That's always fun. Oh, yeah. Right? That was cool. That whole backstory yeah. was really cool. Um, and maybe that's why the book was late because that was all Eastman and Laird. That All mm. that, all those um, flashbacks. Mm. And the concept of elevating or secondary mutations is one that has been explored in comics, obviously. Sure. I just don't remember it being in the turtles, you know, like the longer they live, just the more indestructible almost they get or the stronger that they get. So this is a, this isn't just a lone turtle. He's also very damaged, but then like stronger. It's, it's just, the it's, other ones will come back. <laughs> <laughs> I, we still don't know how they died either way. That's true. Len, what did well, you we think? know how one of them did. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This comic was was eight ninety nine, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's a larger format. And it's, um, I'll show you. Yeah, it's it's like super. It's the super prestige format, like the black label books are. It's just it's only tall, not wide, uh-huh. and it's and it's perfect bound. Uh huh. But it's not very thick. Uh-huh. So I'm like, why is uh-huh. it eight ninety nine? Yeah, why is it eight ninety nine? It should be like six, right? Six ninety nine, maybe. Uh, by, by basic rules, by basic standards, it should just be like six, seven, six dollars. Yeah. Because it is nicely bound. Like I mean, because it is I, in print is good. I think the I think the the black label books are five ninety nine and six ninety nine, depending on thickness. It should have waited for its brothers and sisters and just been one complete story, yeah. and then just put it out there for the twenty thirty dollars, and just and just <laughs> and, and, and just boom. That's what that's what it should have been. I mean, the book is okay. It's got it's 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 cool. I mean, I don't know really jack about the ninja turtles i mean i know them but i don't i've never been a regular reader of them so it was kind of cool the art is not great but it was kind of engaging it had kind of like you know the the fight scenes were kind of cool and 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 i didn't i honestly didn't know which turtle he was i i he was one of the turtles there's just one left okay um and i knew there was a chick and all of a sudden she doesn't have an arm and a leg uh, it jumps back and forth through time a little bit, uh, especially in the beginning. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and then he's talking to himself and the, the, the guys are there and then they're not there. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. Um, but I don't think the storytelling... arm, leg, whatever. Yeah, you know, she's calling for Casey. I remember Casey, but there's, there's another Casey. Oh, it's a chick. Okay, oh, it's the daughter. All right, I'm... I can take context clues. I figure what's going on. I pick up what you're throwing down. I context think- clues where they say... Yeah, it's my daughter. This is my daughter. daughter. Her name is Casey. Like, okay, all right, whatever. But <laughs> pick up on it. <laughs> whatever. It whatever. was between the lines. So between the lines that the lines yeah. were made of it. <laughs> it was. The I didn't line. even notice that. Thank you for telling me, when It was. Just, I didn't get that. <laughs> Wait, you know, we're 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 crapping. However, um, I still I liked in the first issue. It was my favorite part, and in this issue, it continues to be my favorite part. The disassociation that michelangelo has where he sees mm. and talks to his brothers currently mm. it was the only cool part of the last book or the last issue where he sees their ghosts and has full-on conversations with them and then in this one where they're he's making them tea and they're sitting down and strategizing yeah is all of his brothers are in his head i'm like this is great he's psychotic 
Yeah, and this I is mean, great. <laughs> and that was kind of cool. I admit that was kind of cool. Like I, I'm, I'm picking up what's doing. It's just that at the end of the day, I'm like, eh, I mean, like, it's it's cool. It just didn't drag me in. Maybe it's not for me, and I would have been fine with that. But the when I hear that this was eight ninety nine, I'm like, yo, that's that's a bridge too far. Like, <laughs> like this book should not be eight nine. It's an okay comic book, and I'm I'm not saying I would have spent six dollars for it, but you know, I know understand the marketplace today. It probably would have been six dollars, but eight ninety nine. If you paid eight ninety nine for this, like. Like yo, I know that he hates this, but dog. No, wait, well, hold on, trade. hold on, hold on. I'm gonna caveat it. I'm gonna caveat it. Then no, what? Um, what caveat? Hold on. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> worth is subjective. For me, eight ninety nine wasn't worth it. Some people online, and I've talked to them, love this book and would pay any price for it. So good on them. Hmm. For me, this. Like this makes the cost of my overall stack a little too high. Yeah, but yeah. those people that love this book, if you told them that this get up in what, there, what are you going to do? Are you can pay eight ninety nine and wait a year for the whole story, or you can just wait a year and get the whole story and plunk down a lesser amount for that one book? They say, "Oh, I'll wait." They want to be a part of the conversation. Exact- Right. Yeah, and that's not gonna that's too. not gonna happen until the publishers stop trying to double dip, which as we said earlier, they've been doing now for three decades, right? I mean, yeah. we've had this debate ad nauseum as then we'll have it again as we go through Hoxpox in a few minutes, right? Of uh, getting it mm-hmm. now or getting it later. And as Noel said, it's that premium and it's not going to relent until and maybe the pandemic showed some initial signs of this, but it's not going to relent until they stop getting double revenue from the process, which they are. Yeah. Uh, so Robert and Ro jumped in. The eight ninety nine price tag is the reason why I haven't picked this up yet. Um, the story sounds interesting, but since I never read TMNT, TMNG, um, I'm not invested enough to read this. It's, he's right, actually. Again, I think it's. I think it's. As a, as a reader, it's subjective as to what you're invested in and not, and if you want that real-time premium, or if you do have the strength to just sit it out for a year. Or, in case of this book, probably longer than a year, and it's going to be four or five different versions if IDW does what they do with all their trades, where it's going to be a floppy, then it's going to be a trade paperback, then it's going to be a, a hardcover oversize, then it's going to be a black and white artist edition hardcover oversize, and like it's, it's going to be a whole I, I bet the prestige of the story has something to do with, I'm sorry, the story has something to do with the prestige nature of it, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the last Ninja Turtle in a, in a very unusual story for the Ninja Turtles. It kind of has this uh, tone of greater gravity. And I wonder if that goes into like an extra dollar in well, price. You know I, actually, I, mean? I think, I think uh, the extra the dollars, also, that. I think the extra cost also has to do with just behind the scenes of, the creative team behind it. Yeah. So this is the first, this is the first collaboration of Laird and Eastman in 30 something years. Um, so what is the incentive to have them work together and what are they each getting out of it? But neither of them are actually scripting or doing full art duties. It's just like, yeah, I, I wonder what the value is behind the scenes. Versus oh yeah. I didn't know that. Getting. I yeah. didn't know this was the first time they had worked together in that long. I mean, that probably has a lot to do with it. And like I mean, how the royalties is, are split up and how this and how that, uh, like there's right. probably a lot to it. Hmm. And that's why we're going to have quadruple dips of this book hmm. uh, in the market for the next like three or four years. Probably. Hmm. But, you know what I just realized? 
what is, is it? Is Casey Jones the Punisher? No, they're in different universes. He's like, no, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, because I know the whole the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are Daredevil, right? And mm. I, I was flipping through because honestly, I forgot to read this book. So I was flipping through the pages and I saw a woman who looks very much like Electra. And yes, I noticed that too. Then I was like, <laughs> yeah. huh, Casey, like, it, so there's, if there's so many it's, parallels, who is Casey Jones? Oh, Punisher. Is Casey Jones the Punisher? I don't like think he's the Punisher. Yeah, I don't know if he was necessarily supposed to be like a Punisher analog yeah. for that world. Um, More of a Foggy Nelson type, I would think. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. Let's, <laughs> before we murder this metaphor, if it's worth it for you, this is a fun book. If not, it's going to be a great collection. Um, so before we get to the main event, uh, Brian, if you would do yeah. us the honors of telling the people how they can help. I would, especially... Rob and Brandon, I think mostly came on today to hear about patreon.com backslash Johnny Destructo, <laughs> which is a great way yeah. for people to give us money if they had been wanting to give us money. Um, and we use that for, I got these headphones, right? That help us do the show. Um, to reduce the echo. Perhaps? To reduce the echo, which has worked up until today. <laughs> and, and, um, but uh, yeah, you know, and it, it helps out uh, the show. But another way that you can help out the show is just telling people about the show. You know, one of the reasons that we love doing it is because we love doing it for people and like, you know, rev, uh, refer people to it, subscribe to it. It's on YouTube and Facebook and then eventually goes as an audio onto iTunes. Um, maybe other places. So yeah, just uh, do any of those things. Like comment, subscribe. There you jump go, come in, the, jump in the conversation. Let's play the algorithm so we can have larger conversations with you guys. Um, it's particularly fun when they're here. You know, now that we do it live, you can comment and we we interact. Yeah, and sometimes exactly. Good sometimes we have wildly non sequitur comments. That sometimes what we're talking nope, about and just doomsday clock sucks. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, that's the fun of uh, fun of life. Hmm. Uh, and. Uh, any other plugs real quick while we jump into this? I just want to oh, say, I'm oh, sorry, one more. <laughs> you guys have taken this to new heights, and that is because of the fan uh, community. I was on the podcast for 10 years. We did it on Tuesday nights via Skype, stitching together audacity, and it was a nightmare. And you, the fan community, have really made it to the evolution of what it is today. Two years after the fact since I left, it is a amazingly spectacular production that's because of you gents that's because of the community keep contributing and doing what the boys say people and it'll get even better sorry well, thank you very much no 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 that's beautiful it's beautiful um and uh I, well look this is a shameless plug but here i go sh- make uh, it shameful <laughs> uh shameful as any, uh, some of you may know, I do a another podcast called the Michaud Mission, which is two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. And um, we are very, very happy and very proud that for Black History Month, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio, and uh, one more, um, Pandora, have uh, all featured our podcast as one of the featured podcasts for Black History Month on all of their um, platforms. So if you look up the cultural podcast for Black History Month, the Michelle 
mission is very prominently displayed there on all of those platforms. And we just found out that in Boulder, Colorado, of all places, uh, in the Boulder Weekly, as part of their their uh, article about things to do when there's nothing to do, they list all of these many things that are going on in Boulder, Colorado, and then they list podcasts. And the first podcast is the Michaud Mission. Ah. That was listed there. It was, <laughs> yes, that's exactly nice. how we felt. That is exactly <laughs> how we felt when we found that out. We were like, wow, that is cool. <laughs> that is pretty dope. So, cool. um, so uh, check, out our, check out our, our, our little show. We've been five years strong this month in February, and um, we've got a, a lot more fun uh, planned for all of our fans. So check out the Me Show Mission, every place that you find podcasts, as well as on all the social medias and YouTube. Nice. That's nice. awesome, man. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So let's let's get into it. House of X, Powers of Ten by Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman with art, respectively, by Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva. The solicitation for just the collected edition, which we're going to go through, is as such. Mutants are the future, and the future begins now. House of X and Powers of Ten intertwine to reveal a secret past, present, future, and far future of mutant kind. It all starts when Charles Xavier reveals his master plan for mutant kind, one that will bring mutants out of the shadow of humanity and into the light. So we covered this whole damn thing, much to the chagrin at times of Len, who was like, <laughs> we talked about this shit last week. We have to talk about it again. <laughs> because we were all very, I, to middle it, like to, to various degrees, loved it, hated it, confused by it. But it kept us engaged every week to the point where it was usually the first thing I would read because I had to spend a little extra time on it and how it connected. And it all, I think the, the release model really helped. It was literally a weekly book with intertwining titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a full meal every week. So we just kind of, even parts of it that were uncomfortable because like the, the entire status of what they're doing with the mutants and with all of these established characters a lot of it was uncomfortable. Like, are you a bad guy now? Like it Mm. was, it was almost hard to get through, but it was always, it was always rewarding. So I loved this series. Um, And it introduced me to Pepe Larraz and Arby Silva. Like I knew of them before, but the fact that there was no delays, the art was so fantastic. They're both very different from each other, but the tone of the books and the colors stayed the same. So it felt like a full piece. Mm-hmm. I loved this series. I just straight up loved it. Um, and when the opportunity to kind of revisit it uh, arised, I was just like, fuck yeah. So um, before Rob gets into it, does anybody have like quick hits on their impressions of House of X? I think that alternating thing um, would really help too. You know, when we were reading the story, it was like House of X, Powers of 10, House of X, Powers of 10. And they were part of the same story, but they were also two very different stories. Um, and that was a nice way to experience it coming out. Um, oh, also, yeah. it should be it should be noted as collected. They are alternating. Are they? It's oh, not, it's not chunk and chunk. Yeah, it's, yeah. they're alternating as they so ought to be. Story should be. Yeah. yeah, I was hoping. I was hoping. Like, I think that was even a conversation when this gets collected. Yeah, it's going to be like. Good, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's collected yeah. as released, which is perfect. Well, as I recall, I really enjoyed it at the end of it, and thinking back, I I still enjoy it. Um, I haven't read it again for this, but um, that's my quick thought on it. 
I just remember I was interested in it. I mean, I just got tired of reviewing it every week, every week because oh, I was just because <laughs> <laughs> there was other stuff to read. You know what I'm saying? That's all uh, my big thing. Yeah. But I, I, I couldn't knock the one, the art. The art is a beautiful Ooh. comic book. Like you can't knock that mm-hmm. at all. And I thought it was a fully fleshed for the first time. Somebody just pumped the brakes and really gave a thought of let's do something different with the X-Men as opposed to like just regurgitating what happened before picking up this loose thread or anything. Let's try and do something really different with the X-Men. Um, instead of having these two polar opposing forces, what happened if they all just became one and just had the, the whole infighting of just their personalities? Um, I thought it was, uh, really smartly done. Um, so I, I, I was all for that in this beautiful package. Brandon, I I think I I mean I definitely liked it at the time. I remember, and I wish I had reread it now because <clears throat> this was I've tried to get into X Men a few times, and this was one of those times. And so far, it is stuck. <clears throat> but um, reading it like Powers of X, I wish I'd read it now for this. Like I wanted to, but I didn't get a chance to. Because since then, I've read a hundred issues of New Mutants, and I've read like some of Chris Claremont's other stuff. And so, like, I have a little more experience with the past um, X-Men stuff. And I think that definitely would have helped me. Because I remember when I was reading at the time, Powers of X in particular was kind of confusing for me since I didn't know much X-Men history. So I wish I had read it now to see how much of that I could have picked up on. But I do remember I still loved it, even though the stuff I didn't understand as much do in you Powers think, of X. Was, you know, having now read the other stuff, um, mm-hmm. it's, hard to, it's hard to think back, but... A lot of the things that happened in that weren't things that you would necessarily know about, but might have seemed as though you should, especially because of the multiple timelines kind of thing. That that definitely did use a lot of X Men history, but Mm. under how much you you actually. I think I just remember in particular there was a Powers of X issue where they talked a lot about the Phalanx, and Mm. I had no idea what that was. And now I know a little more about it, and it's stuff like that where it's like. I remember also after each issue, I would go on Reddit and like read discussion threads and people would be like, oh, this is a reference to this thing or that thing or the other. And I think now I would have been able to pick up on some of those references myself. And so I think right. that would have been interesting to see. But I think, like I said, e- either way, I still really enjoyed reading it. That was one of the strengths, though, the fact that this this book, unlike a lot of books that have been coming out in the last couple of years, actually engaged conversation and required they didn't require homework. They invited homework right Right. like you wanted to continue finding out more about like well is this is this i know what nimrod is but this ten thousand year version uh it's they're making reference to it and like you go and look it up which is what i used to do as a kid when i would grab a middle issue of something and you didn't have wikipedia you just had to like figure out what things were or ask questions or look up old guides this was as close to that experience that i've had in a couple of decades personally Mm mm-hmm but it was easier because I had the internet and a lot of friends that read comics. But I, I, I want to hear what Rob thinks. No. So this is my first time back into comics after a 40 years of reading them nonstop and two years of break and pause and a cleansing, if you will. Uh, I thought this was phenomenal. Now, mm-hmm. two questions have been answered for me already. That's at the high level. Here, wait. Um, two questions have been answered already for me. One is I wanted the newbie perspective, and Brandon's a little older than I was expecting. You know, not expecting. I know how old Brandon 
this. But, you know, I'm wondering, since this is the fifth incarnation of the X-Men, okay, if we look at from the beginning to all of the seminal moments where they took a pause, a, a refresh, and a reset, this is the fifth time. This has happened, and I want to know like what a 16-year-old thinks coming into this. Is mm. it confusing? Is it something that is too arduous? Because that's a thing with Hickman as well, all right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Hickman loves his infographics and his interstitials to explain his stuff, right? He's done that with a lot of books. He did with Manhattan Projects. He did with East of West, right? He loves to have sort of that... Um, over explainer and as i read each of those and i read every single one right not just the the panels of the comics but all the prose and the infographics and everything else and it was it does explain right so i'm very interested like you know it talks about what a uh phalanx is in the general sense now you might not know what the hell a duglock is but you don't really need to unless you want to get that deep into the comic medium do you know what a duglock is brandon See, I didn't know Doug Lock was mentioning this. Doug Lock is my whole thing. Okay. I mean, he wasn't mentioning this, but he was part of that phalanx entity. Right, because like, Doug yeah. and Warlock are in New Mutants. So like, they're two of my right. like, touchstones. So yeah, I wish I would have. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's fair. Um, now, I've had another question answered for me in the comics by uh, comments by Todd Engel. Uh, what I want to know is how does this continue? Because this is an amazing uh, moment encapsulation in time. Like these two together were a glorious epic tome. They really were. I loved every minute of it. Has it continued now that we're a year and a half past? So, so okay. uh, every, I think we're all going to have our own different answers yeah. to that yeah. question. Brian, go ahead. First. Well, Knowles is definitely the most informed because I think he has read the most past it. And from what I hear, I might be a I mean, little wrong about this. Te- technically, Brandon, I think, has read yeah. most. I no, I'm true. just like, a little under him. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that that's the thing, Rob. This this was I thought was great as a series and. Um, the only thing about it that disappointed me is that it hasn't picked up as much from that as I thought it was going to. Now Hickman is also a, um, it's a lays groundwork, you know, sometimes uh, for extended Mm -hmm. periods of time. I was left with the impression that we were going to get um, a lot more about Moira and the fact that this is this version of, of this timeline and more about what was going on in, um, I forget which one was which powers of 10, I think um, was the, 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 the far yeah. future stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get more about that and we might, but I thought it was happening. Like next, you'll get it. You'll you know? get it in a thousand years, young man. You just, well, uh, <laughs> fine. Yeah, um, so yeah. So for me, for me, um, he has continued to lay the same groundwork. So I, every single title, I read the first arc. Especially the fir- the first phase of Dawn of X, I read the first arc. Of and all every of single of them, title, how many titles are there that spun out? out of at this? start, at start, there was what six? It was um, know, Fallen Angels, Excalibur, Marauders, X Men. Yes, yeah, about um, six. Because uh, Logan was there. Cable. Oh no, that was them. that was the second. Oh yeah, those are like later. Rush. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, the one that was in yeah. the future. Oh no, the future of space. And was that New Mutants? Oh, New Mutants. And okay. right. Actually, maybe it was only five. Was it only five? Uh, Either way, so. it was it was a it was a manageable amount of right. of of story arcs, especially as exploring the first one. It was it wasn't bad. Um, 
I have since dropped all the way down to just X-Men proper because that's what Hickman's writing. And then I will dip in for the events and the one shots that Hickman's writing. The other stuff is good to middling degrees, but if you're not in love with the characters or with that specific storyline, I just kind of fall off because all of them are exploring. So this book introduces about 30 plot threads in this new continuity. Some of them are for you. Some of them aren't. It's just all interesting. Mm -hmm. A lot of the books are pulling just one of them and going with it. Whereas the main thread of these primary characters and the Krakoa stuff, Mm -hmm. it's it's really only like two titles that are kind of playing with it like hardcore and some of them have like marauders uh, which which is awesome marauders has been one of the best yeah but like deals with this world where krakoa is um it feels kind of like a really great side story to the main x-men story um and it seemed as though everything was going to be more tightly interwoven and Mm -hmm. That hasn't really happened. And like, I don't want to give Marauder short shrift because it's the probably the best one of the ones that I'm reading. And he is integrally involved in the, like Kitty Pride is this kind of uh, uh, what a, like a roguish leader of this yeah. ship because she can't go through the Krakoan <laughs> gates um, and the mystery of like why that is. So it's very rooted in the like new state of what the X-Men are. Um, That's weird. Is it because Kitty's Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> Krakoa is it's not good the other Jewish people are a whole. that's a whole really great that's actually a really great (laughs) plot thread that doesn't get doesn't get like still is kind of ongoing or yeah uh, but it's those are those are a lot of really cool like little things that they introduce that yeah that are part of the they're the they're just introduced here, but they're part of primary conflicts and other titles so it's all been organic it hasn't really been shoved down your throat when people character ask, growth especially you, seems organic and yeah. is like a highlight of the book, like a new phase kind of for this great character. Well, it makes sense. Krakoa is all about organic. When, when, mm-hmm. um, when people ask, do I have to read them all? I will emphatically say no. Oh, yeah. You don't have to read them all, period. It's America. You can do what you want. Yeah. Well, you don't even I, have you to know, read I, any of them. That's true. <laughs> you can go outside. All right. The, re- all right, the reason I, Lords, I mean, like to, ca- to carry on the thread, do you have to read all oh, of them? Dude. And the answer is yeah. no. Like yeah. you literally can so, just follow one and, and not worry about the rest. Two other questions I have from the fallout, the follow-up. If I look back at the prior periods of time when, you know, the, the 1963 X-Men, the 1975 giant size X-Men, the 1991 uh, Jim Lee explosion of the titles, does this Krakoan state, this mutant state, directly uh, affect the other titles? And do they recognize, you know, if you go off to Avengers, is there a concern about this mutant sovereignty of land and the pharmaceutical industry? Or is it, is it being addressed in the larger context of the universe? There we go. Yeah, give me magic. Kind of. well, give me well, Wanda fingers. Yeah, it depends, on, it depends on the book, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah yeah like king in black i'm trying to think that's the most recent place that i've seen any of the x-men elsewhere they they do make mention so like when the x-men are introduced in other places so there's two titles explicitly that i think about when i went to answer this question one of them is like an event king in black and empire um they kind of get their own little corner of the event and then Mm -hmm. how it's addressed outside of the x-men or the x-men titles is that they don't really talk to us anymore 
they're doing their own thing. Yeah. We can't rely on them. Like it's they're the rest of the line is kind of leaving them alone to tell their story. It doesn't contradict, but it also doesn't always fully invite. So them showing up in in um King and Black was actually pretty interesting. And they actually in in dialogue they mention it too, like, oh, even the X-Men are here. And then um I think it was the other book that I think about is the um it's technically an X book, but it wasn't really. It was the Fantastic Four X-Men book. Mm-hmm. The the crossover title. Um there were full on conversations between Reed and um who was it, Scott, where they were yeah. like Reed was pretty much saying like I don't trust whatever the fuck you're doing. Like you're well, saying he, everyone needs Frank to be in this background. Yeah. Uh, uh, Franklin was a mutant. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. a mutant. Um, you're saying that all of these people have to explicitly be in this place and that doesn't make sense. And what are you planning? Like there was a, it was the first time outside of the books that there's a general mistrust mm-hmm. for the, for the greater Marvel universe expressed at mm-hmm. the X-Men because everything that's been happening was, is really shady, really creepy and shady. Yeah, which and that kinda, is a plot threads that haven't really gone. Anywhere. Well, and that's and and I do see a conflict there of character in what Hickman has done. Right, they, they where you've always seen these forces separated throughout the pantheon of history has been the ideological lines, and mm-hmm. to see Xavier, Magneto, fucking sinister. Uh, apocalypse, all sitting at the same the Marauders. I mean, all sitting at the same uh, right. table of power with one mm-hmm. another. Uh, is it a reflection of the time? You know, quite possibly, where we, you know, where we see in our real world ideological lines have become scattered and blurred and all that fun stuff. I wonder what the end state is, though, without that traditional conflict. And that's why I've been asking you, because I know this came out like, you know, probably a year ago at this point. So what has been the, not, maybe not that long ago, a couple months, sorry. Never mind. No, I mean, no, there no, was no. A big, yeah. There was it's, a big game, too, let's remember. It's, more, it's, uh, it's, it's almost been years. more than a year, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's almost years. All right. And that's where I'm wondering, does the book carry through and give you the same sense of conflict that we had in the past reading the X-Men when they were in fighting amongst themselves? What are, who are they fighting now? Like, you know, what is the conflict now? Depends on the book. So yeah. there Who's are some books ladies? where there are some books. Yeah, that was actually an X-Men. So <laughs> the X-Men title actually deals with the larger universal conflicts. So they've introduced some new villains, the horticulture, which I think are great, um, uh, which puts to, which is a, essentially a metaphor for uh, man versus nature. Um, but then There's some the of the smaller, ladies. yeah, some of the smaller books are taking, yeah, yeah, as old ladies, some of the smaller books, smaller books, um, taking conflicts, uh, they're just extrapolating on the, um, the normal man versus mutant conflicts. So you've got, you've got countries with Krakoa gates where all the mutants are, are invited to go to Krakoa. Mm-hmm. However, those countries are restricting people from touching the gates. So you've got, yeah. you know, you've got clandestine teams of mutants from Krakoa coming to mm-hmm. rescue, or you've got hmm. some countries that aren't willing to um, recognize Krakoa as a nation, meaning that they don't get their drugs, yeah. but the black market, um, the Marauders yeah. deals with the black market of traveling to those nations to uh, sell the drugs. So it's, and then also too, I think in the Logan book, in the Wolverine book, there is a drug, uh, an illicit drug that's being made out of the flowers from Krakoa Gates that is like this unforeseen problem that they didn't have. So he's investigating that. So like all of these seeds were planted in House of X, Powers of Ten, that other books are pulling for conflict. Mm -hmm. There was also Ten of Swords, which... 
for me kind of broke the momentum of the whole thing and was this whole other conflict that um with like uh what's her name saturnine who was the other involved world, with right? captain britain stuff yeah. and yeah so um, that but that came out of all of the excalibur stuff sure. that started sure. in the x-men title of krakoa having a sister um yeah. or a mate Arakawa. well yeah Arakawa. betsy yeah. raddick is now Arakawa. in her original body and um I forget the name of the character that is now uh, Psylocke, but Betsy Braddock is now Captain Britain. Um, so that has been kind of sorted out after the decades of that being the yeah. case. Um, I, I think to your point, Rob, that I was expecting it's, it's such a different status quo that mm-hmm. I was expecting a resolution to this story. Um, not yet. But no. not yet. You know, and it'll come presumably, years. but yeah. Um, well, there were, there was also, I mean, an unprecedented stop in comics for, for some time in the middle of it, but it has still been a while and more to the point, doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon that these things are, are done. And I like the idea of it being an ongoing, I guess I was just sort of geared up for like, this is so different. This seems like such a story that it will resolve um, yes. more timely fashion. Well, no, that's actually that was the perfect answer I wanted to hear. Actually, sorry, I cut somebody off a second ago. Oh no, I was just going to say the things that have not been touched really at all is everything in Powers of Ten. So House mm-hmm. of X has extrapolated into now ten other titles in various forms. Mm-hmm. House of X or, or House of Ten or Powers of Ten. Sorry, Powers of Ten has not really been touched yet. And I'm assuming it's going to be for another kind of phase of this, of his plan. So all of these titles and everything now has been current, but Moira has not been re re reestablished. The, the future stuff, which they're hinting at now with, um, you know, like the world, the the world of tomorrow thing that a bunch of the other X-Men have been trapped in for a while. And Mm. so they're, they're hinting at these other future threads that they're, that the whole conceit is to avoid. Um, but it hasn't come into play yet at all. Well, and let's, and I think there's, I think you'll see the most fruition out of the one year ahead. You'll see a little bit of fruition from the 10 years ahead and a thousand years ahead. Who the hell knows? We're all middle-aged except Brandon. So we're going to be dead in 20 years. So it doesn't matter. Uh, 30 years, maybe, hopefully. I'm going like 40. Sorry, 40 more. My bad. Oh, Sean Yates mentions uh, religious fanatics and vampires, Rob, or some other antagonists. (laughs) Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're the, really which are pretty classic, you know, mutant um, problems in the Marvel universe. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, there well, we go. What yeah. I was going to yeah. say though is that, like, for me, as far as the the universe, like the thing with the whole X Men and like how they connect to everything else, is that to me it feels very much like a universe. And so, like, it doesn't like while there isn't that main necessarily plot thread, like main book. That's because I mean most universes don't have that like marvel doesn't have like a book that is the marvel book it's that it's a marvel universe and that's kind of how i read x-men right now where like each book like krakoa is a mini universe and each book follows its own um aspect of that universe and that's why like ten of swords was very much an other world event just like king and black is a venom event like it's not necessarily the whole well, yes, have, have often kind of been like that, right? Exactly. They've often inhabited their own corner of the Marvel universe. Well, but no, I mean, I, I, yeah. I would, I would disagree in the sense that when the X-Men exploded in the nineties or even in the seventies, there was an acknowledgement from the other books. And that to me is what makes a completely mm-hmm. cohesive universe. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't abide 
when there's one thing going on over here that is earth-changing, world-shattering, a geopolitical upheaval, if you will, mm-hmm. and then the Avengers or whomever are just like, you know, we're you know, we're just flying over Krakoa and we're not even going to talk about okay. it. Right? There are other things that going would, on that, that I need to deal with. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to compare um, House of X, Powers of Ten, with Ten of Swords at all because, like you'd mentioned, this, um, and I say this, pointing down to House of X. Yeah, does deal with that. Yeah, I mean, it deals. My with House it. of X, my my edition of House of X, <laughs> deals with uh, deals with the greater universe. Right, it has those conflicts that are seen outside of just yeah. the inhabitants of Krakoa. X or Ten of Swords was explicitly contained to Krakoa, Arako, and Otherworld. Yeah, no one outside had anything to do with it. Like they hinted a little bit of it with. Um, the sword satellite, but even that was just, you didn't have to like, no other book was, was, was a part of it. It was very self-contained. So I wouldn't compare them as being, as as having the same weight at all. Yeah. I have one other overarching comment from all this, and I think it'll stir probably a wee bit of controversy. Boy, does Marvel do universal reboots and resets, right? From the Secret Wars with the Fantastic Four building Mm -hmm. the new worlds and new universes to Moira McTaggart being the centrifuge of change. I buy into this so much more, and it's so clever on Hickman's part, compared to bullshit like the metaverse being pulled out of DC's ass at the end of Doomsday Clock. Oh, I like the end of Doomsday Clock a lot. Um, I, I, yeah, but I I don't, too, this isn't but much I, of a reboot. This, this is more of a retcon of Moira McTaggart done in a really a re- clever way, but a but continual purpose of a reboot. Well, what, what makes okay. this what what makes this great though, in regards to being a reboot, restart, whatever, is that it does not in any way change what we've read before, before because it because that yeah, like the the beauty of Powers of Ten was that we're seeing the extrapolated futures without changing the past. And every time that she died, she got to know everything. So everything existed up to a point. Like she allowed things to just keep playing out to a point and then she diverged. So that tells us as readers, everything still matters. Everything still happened. Everything still is like, it's not going to change your back issues. It didn't negate my entire life of collecting comic books. But but more so so in a narrative way, it didn't make you uh, ignorant again. It didn't make you have to relearn anything. Hmm. You were able to take your information and add new to it instead of, wait, what's the continuity now? Where does this fit in? What matches? Like it literally was just a flatline. I found it. And maybe I just didn't read it the way that it was intended, but I kind of thought that the world that McTaggart was in, maybe I forget which version, the sixth or seventh of hers was the one that we had been reading all along. And then she changed it. So just from the House of X powers of 10, it seemed like this was a different world and that they would somehow undo that. But I'm not sure that that was what was intended. It might have been this life but, of hers is the one that we have always read. Because um, I don't remember mm-hmm. any specific. I thought that like no, that's the relationship what's happening. between Magneto and, and Xavier. Yeah. Was so life, we're in life nine. Okay. Yeah. Life nine. So in the in the life nine is the one that's got the divergence. So this is House of X powers of ten. These are all the these are all the failed attempts before it. So, yeah. like, were we reading life eight 
all these years and this is now Life 9? Or was it I Life think we've 9? Been reading, we've been reading, we've been reading Life 9. Yeah, we've, we've been, been reading, reading Life, Life 9. 9 yeah. yeah. It's just this, this grid is just to show you the stuff that we didn't read that she failed or attempted. Right, right. What we so are, what no we are in and what we've always read. Yeah, so and I think nine, there's some of that in there when we've gone into alternate futures that they then negated. You see yeah. some of that Actually, in there yeah. too I'm sorry. with the prior mm-hmm. lives. I'm yeah. sorry, we're in life ten. That's life nine like, yeah. was life nine is what this story depicts. What like, powers you. of ten? How, like what powers of ten depicts is life nine, where yeah. she resets right. here, mm-hmm. and now we're in the age of House of Ten, House yeah. of X. But but I remember correctly, this is all unknown. Some of the other prior lives, like Days of Future Past, they, you know, I think that, yes. you know, like Life 3 or Life 4. Or like or very similar. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. But and it, I guess it was it, a different it, one uh, that yeah. Xavier and Magneto were, there's, a, there's at least one where they kind of set aside their differences or never have differences right from the start. But right. maybe that was like hey. 6 or 7, I don't remember. Yeah, and she, well, is it, doesn't she talk about how that was unattainable, like, it's untenable. Like things that needed to uh, be accomplished were not accomplished by them being square with each yeah. other from jump, mm-hmm. right, right. which was really, Oh yeah. Uh, she gets real Machiavellian towards the end of it too. With <laughs> like, uh, I know how to control these boys, yeah. these little boys with their toys. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Chick, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're idiots. Do it. <laughs> I, I love this book. And, and I, I do agree with you too. Like as far as red cons relaunches go, Mm-hmm. This is I. I don't have issues with this. I think this yeah. is perfect. Yeah, it's it really the panacea, about the it, It's the panacea of how to do it without negating the past, with mm-hmm. integrating it so organically into the story. Where again, I see on the DC side, it's everybody's tried to overcorrect and remove and and work their way through morrison's mushroom trip of infinite crisis and rebirth and it just be, keeps coming one bastardization after another mm-hmm. i think you mean final i think who, In, who did infinite that well? final, was final, final, sorry, final final crisis yeah. my bad final yeah. was weird, right. which i'm gonna reread and i'm i'm probably gonna mm. feel the same way about it I've re- i just I still don't remember people think about final crisis to me it was a boring story but not a, it wasn't hard for me to understand it made one of my yeah. favorite artists want to leave comic books. And he told me <laughs> that kind Jones? of off the record. Um, well, shit. Um, <laughs> well, after reading. I mean, he nah, disappeared halfway through the series. Five, like five issues in. Yeah, And there, he hasn't uh, done interior since. No, this isn't. My story this isn't tell. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, tell, tell. You're here. You don't even have to tell. <laughs> we just like. When, For me. When there are so many problems with just the production of a book. And then it switches art more than halfway. Like there were so many delays Mm -hmm. for people that were reading that in real time. The story itself wasn't difficult, but it was seven issues Mm -hmm. that were over the course of like two years. So Mm -hmm. the simple stuff was like, what happened? This was six months ago. Like it was going to be a bit abstract. (laughs) The original original script was, as I understand, almost virtually indecipherable. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I and love yeah. I love abstraction, but yeah, sometimes Grant Morrison can um, take his style to a level that is like, I am doing this thing, and it's very much this thing that I'm doing, but um, maybe gets in the way of narrative on occasion. Yeah, it's like, I made up a new language. Who wants to talk with me? Like, what? Right. Interesting accomplishment. Hard to read. 
Yeah. But you know what? And that there's a hard work to that. But you know what? Hickman doesn't doesn't miss, right? He comes with a whole new language for Krakoa, mm-hmm. but it's doing the hard work of actually creating the language where on the Morrison side, it's just he pulls something out of his asshole and says there's a new language or, you know, a sponge is a universal conduit to your happiness of Zen, right? Well, and I, this new language is different characters, right? So you don't actually have to read it. You can't read it, if I'm remembering correctly. In, uh you know, so it doesn't slow you down because they there's no say chance that, that you can read it. They say that, but then they give you a whole dupe translator halfway through the thing. They give you a whole lexicon yeah. for the characters. The, the homework was done for this. Like mm-hmm. everything yeah. is designed from the language to the map, the topography, mm-hmm. the houses, the the hierarchy, the structure, like it's mm-hmm. the timelines. This was this is a this is like a research paper folded into a comic yeah. book. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to read it all, but if you do, it's another level of enjoyment on top of it, and it's just it's great. Yeah, and simply what we do, know is our day, day jobs from a marketing perspective. I've always been entranced and enthralled by how Hickman does the graphics. I mean, I just mm-hmm. I've always oh, felt yeah. that no, they're, they're just phenomenal. Yeah, his shit is so simplistic, but yeah. so perfect. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's all circles and lines and specific uh, gradients mm-hmm. that he uses. It, it's it's not revolutionary but it's like just it's just functional it's incredibly functional yeah. i remember there yeah. being a really interesting typographical thing about halfway through one of the series and i forget what it was it something dealing with xavier or it changed his type it was a big like kind of across the page and that's all i remember about it but we were all impressed when it when it happened so, like everything mm. everything has gone through him uh like from from the plots of other books to just the design layout of these hardcovers and stuff. It's just, it really is a complete, it really is a complete package. Like Mm. I love that Marvel, Marvel has given him carte blanche to do everything. Again, even the trade dress of all the books is approved and designed by Jonathan. It, it, it's, it, it really is as um, cohesive as it could be. Yeah, I I wonder how they're going to integrate it into the other mediums. Like, will we see this or will we see the um, stories of old? Yeah, because and that goes back to that question of, and again, Brandon's just a little too old to really have me ask this question. Because when I got enthralled with the X Men at age fifteen, it seemed like a much simpler time. And I wonder, will new comic fans? be able to latch onto this or if you had to have that historical context to really understand it. I don't know. Yeah, that's my thing is that like, I've seen a lot of people say like, if you want to get into X-Men, pick up Powers of X, House of X. And to me, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that, that, that this would be super yeah. <clears throat> like digestible for new readers. Especially if, you ha- if like you've only maybe seen the movies or something. I don't know that this would be enough would, for you. I would say this is the second thing you should read. A, a modern audience. Uh, what's what should you jump into? I would probably, I mean, it's problem problematic creator aside. Um, I would say read Astonishing X Men, and then you could mm-hmm. jump into Powers of Ten, yeah. House of X, with uh, Grant, some sort of baseline Marson, huh? understanding. Huh? Grand Morrison's X Men was pretty good too. Okay, uh, but, a lot you know of what? but a lot Similar of that was. Go ahead, no, sorry. Oh, I was no, 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 no. That wasn't even me being mad. That was me being like, was it? I mean, I yeah. read it. I loved it but it was all over the map. It was a lot like this. This is a cleaner version Uh, of what Grant Morrison tried to do. So if we're talking about not like being 
an impenetrable uh, yeah, like, thing to get around. Yeah. You yeah. want you want to uh, prime them with Astonishing X Men, which is literally a back to basic story that's yeah. all character focused. Mm-hmm. And then you jump into this, where some of those characters are, have a completely different setting and, and mm-hmm. life, and you're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I think that also answers the question of like how it would translate into other media. Um, mm-hmm. It unlikely that it would, right? It's too different, not only from the generally known X Men, but also from the world that we inhabit, right? That that there is this other thing. Now, I'm not going to rule out Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe doing something like that completely. But I would say just, if I had to take a guess, I'd say you'd get more classic. I'm going to be right back. How great, how great would it be if mm. this is just a comic book story? That's fine. Yeah. This, this, like this, yeah. the way that he chooses to tell this story mm. is very specific to the medium of comic books. Mm. Right? Infographics um, would be tough. In. I mean, you could do something similar in an animated seri- uh, you know, movie, maybe. But yeah, something like that would be tough for a cinematic release. Um, and, and having people understand all the hierarchies and political states. Right. Again, I think that's only something that old heads are going to care right. about, right? That's More right. so than people coming in fresh and, into the title. Yeah, the idea of everyone working together after so long of, of being enemies right. isn't as interesting if this is the first you've ever heard of them. Um, yeah. I mean, you could tell a compelling story, but it wouldn't hit in this quite the same manner. Yeah, if you've never read Age of Apocalypse, and I say read, not saw, because that <laughs> yes, yes. suck. But if you've never read Age of Apocalypse, there's no and not as much gravitas as to them all coming to the table together. Right, yeah. right. That um, being said, though, if you read, if you just read this, and this is your introduction to uh, Apocalypse, he his character is still very much Apocalypse. So he don't seem like the most trustworthy dude. You know what I mean? He he definitely still carries the image of like, you know, who is this dark side Thanos looking dude that is sitting at the right. table with the X-Men. So you are already like in line to like, hmm, something might be a little shady with this. Even part. in story as it's as yeah. it's going on. Like the other characters are not <laughs> sold on Apocalypse. Um or or um, Sebastian Shaw is up to mm-hmm. some no good. You know, so well, the I, conflict got, is not gone. And Apocalypse still, even in this story, has four cats following him around called Death, Postul- Pestilence, Plague, and, you know. It doesn't bode well. Atrocity, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You judge you by who you hang out with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and your name is Apocalypse, and it's not your original name. You have chosen to go you by You chose that name. <laughs> right. You changed your or, name. <laughs> or God right. forbid you were named Apocalypse and that's what your parents thought of you as a baby. That's the problem too. I mean, uh, he, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking of like, I don't want to spoil Ten of Swords, but it's a, I guess it's a minor thing. <laughs> he did literally name his own kids. Like, we found out that his kid, the the war thing, the, the horseman, he's mm-hmm. been naming them after his kids. So he did genuinely name his kids War pestilence whatever sure. so, that's true that is true i right. watched you all go back and forth on the chat channel about um exoswords and swords that's probably not one i will jump into because it just seemed like a big battle royale Can we talk about uh, whether or not um, a bicycle yeah. spoke yeah. is the center oh, or yes. which it <laughs> is not yeah <laughs> the, uh there's more than one of them but that's all right yeah. um oh, but God, yeah man. overall 
I personally, Rob, I'm just not into like battle royale stories. Um, so that was yeah. like that there was nothing they were going to do about that. Um, mm-hmm. as far as me personally, but I found it to be like this dense thing that went through all of the X-Men comics at some of which I had been enjoying, but some of which I hadn't been reading. And it's, it's not, um, it's not in any way a follow-up to house of X powers that, you know, if you're like, I want some more of this, that's not it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've learned three things, I think, between this conversation and the past two years of sitting on the sidelines and watching you guys. There is not a hell of a lot out of DC I'm going to get out of things right now. I do want to dabble again into the experts, I think. And I think I'll go with Noel's recommendation on that and uh, get me some hardcovers. Uh, and then dabble again in the indies. Like, you know, Aftershock uh, greatly intrigues me, right? I loved animosity before I went on my uh, sojourn. So I will possibly take a dip back into that. Uh, decorum reminds me a great deal of the futurist mm. parts of uh, uh, Powers of Ten, um, mm. both in the artwork primarily, but also just in general. Um, Noel's recommending Alienated, which uh, I didn't read, but those guys really liked. Um, we Live has been very cool. Um, another future, multiple apocalypses have already happened, and now we're here, kind of story. Did I, did I miss um, talking about X of Swords, Ten of Swords. I heard the yeah, Battle Royale just very briefly. conversation. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. I, I gotta say, again, they're not compared because that was my... It was enjoyable for what it was, but those are my mm. worst... Those are my least favorite kinds of events. Me too. Where there's no, there's no real spine. It's mm. just follow these 15 books you might be reading or might not be reading. Enjoy the context, the, the out-of-context part of the story it plays. And it's a chapter. And if you were reading this book, you were reading it because you liked something else other than this story. Other than this, but now you're reading this story. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it was. It was. It was. Um. It was cohesive. Like it wasn't off. But I got away with just reading the book I already was reading, and then just the one shots. So it's words like chapter book. I read four issues of it, and I was. It, fine. It, it, in at this point in time in life, my age, where we are as a society with all the mediums of entertainment that we have to imbibe and at the low cost we have to imbibe them in, it was okay, good enough. I wouldn't recommend it for right. my mother, but since right. I have oh, yeah. eyeballs, I read the thing. It's not good enough for me anymore. This then you've gotten the right friend. impression from us then. You mean, oh, you okay. mean, you mean, <laughs> gets, you, you mean like, the kind of phrases like, it gets good in season three? Those don't incite you? You're yeah. right. It's, you know, there's yeah. other things that are good from the get go to the enzy that I will mm-hmm. uh, partake of instead. Wait, now I, I will say, though, DC, who knows what's about to happen? Like something different oh, that has come, come before. On, man. We've been saying you it for We don't know yet. Please, you are, Brian. You are the we most positive person it's a I've ever met, kind of thing. and I hate it. I like what no, they're doing. I think <laughs> you love it. No, they, I, uh, I actually do. Wait, can I? Can I? Like behind the garden? Um, I ran into uh, Brian yesterday. I was clearing off my car. My ankle hurt. He pulls up looking for parking, and he's just like, "Oh, hello!" And I turn around, and I'm just like, "Not right now." I am in, a, in a bad way. I love you, but just just drive away, and we'll talk later. And my wife is like, you were so mean to Brian. I was like, Brian gets it. He's fine. I didn't snap at Brian. It's fine. So then I text him later. He was like, oh, I had no idea. You, you told me exactly what you wanted. And 
And it's like, it's reasonable. you know, if you're upset about something, it takes all you can to just be like, like not yell and just be like, I don't want to talk right now. I've, I've been there. I didn't take it as Man, a snap at all. That was, that was like, I was, I was just like, Oh my God, you're, we're friends. We're such good friends that I could just be with and not like facade it and be like, yeah, yeah. I'm having a really bad moment right now, Brian. I'm not yeah. going to give you anything good. I, I, even I, afterwards, I, I was like, how well would society work if people could just do that? And the, nobody <laughs> took it the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and in case you're wondering, I also offered you a small shovel, which, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure everybody I, is interested to know. So that was I a said, real offer. That was not a to, joke. <laughs> to your offer, I said, nothing will help me now. And <laughs> then after you left, I took the scraper I had that wasn't working and I broke it. Oh, no. I actually slammed it on the ground and broke it intentionally because fuck that scraper. I hear you. But, <laughs> Rob, you were saying something? Just, I gravitate to Brian at every JD Life event I've been invited to. Brian and I gravitate to each other and we go, oh, we should do this more often and talk more often. And I love his cherubic optimism. You are being forgiving, though, for 10 years of abuse from DC. They've been trying to figure their Thank shit you. out since 2011. I I fell off of New Fifty Two to be it, just to All just right. to be clear. But sure. yeah, yeah. But I appreciate the other nice things that you said. <laughs> that was that was like in hindsight, that pretty much was the 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 striking point of things just falling apart. Now, everything that came out of New Fifty Two wasn't bad. There's actually some really great like single titles that kind of mm-hmm. followed through, but they were never given. Uh, they were never propped up by a strong line. It like they, they if anything, of, they were just yeah the books that made it through as opposed to the books that excelled, you know, yeah. they tried to be everything mm. instead of growing organically. And I'm going to say that's, that's the, yeah. that's going to be the problem from day one was that because of the media companies, because of the royalties, because of your licensing of other toys and properties, you could not build the universe organically. They had to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted a complete refresh, but at the same time it said, no, 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 don't forget this. You know, Batman's had four your wards over the past four and a half years. Yeah. Like what the shit he's, a t- he's collecting kids. Like, you know, you know, you collect fucking Pokemon. Okay. I mean, these are children. He these puts are them in little balls. <laughs> and he's bringing in a new ward every year and a half. Okay. Mm. I mean, that is just, uh, just that's stupid. An, that's an awful now, success rate. Right. I know. And they keep giving well, them more. Only one of them died. Yeah. Like school, then most of them just graduated in a year and then he got a new one. It's true. I just, Which yeah, hey, adoption the one agency. that died. Adoption agency, can I please have an, it's, you know, it's it's a new year. Can I have another 15 and a half year old boy? Hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah can, and can we dye his hair black? Because that's yeah. how I like him. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite yeah. tidbit of knowledge. Now, Court of hair. But it was that in Greenland that really messed up the, like, I was really excited about the new 52 when it started. And then that lack of, uh, like, history. Um, that I, I think that they were going them. for didn't work. Batman and Green Lantern had it, but it didn't fit in. Um, well, yeah, Batman and Green yeah. Lantern, th- that's because those two creators were like, nah, fuck you, and just told their story. Right. Yeah. And like, they were they didn't actively runs that they could do it. Yeah, they didn't actively yeah. negate New 52 status. They just didn't actually care about New 52 yeah. status. Right, right. Which I and think simultaneously he- worked and didn't work, because like, anything connected to those books suddenly felt a little weird. Like if Batman doesn't really acknowledge that it's a new, a new status quo, then it makes it weird that like Nightwing is a new status quo and Red Hood is and everything like that. 
Yeah, and this is Brand. Brandon's got a great perspective of this because he wasn't old as shit when all of this <laughs> was dropping. And I think back to being the same age and going, there was never a step miss between Batman and Detective Comics in the 80s and 90s, right? They were always lockstep. You always had that continuity and that back and forth. And it was always seamless, which again, they, just didn't, numbering they didn't era. have when they did the reboot. When they did <laughs> yeah. the or or, you know, or if, if, if the continuity wasn't seamless, because sometimes it would get a little wonky, then <laughs> the editor would do their job and they just put a little, little caption at the beginning, mm-hmm. like this story happened, yeah. whatever, or what right. he's referring to is this. And then it, you just, it, you, you filled in the gaps if you wanted to, and you didn't, and you kept it the fuck moving on. It's a, right. it's, it's, uh, I mean, look, I think I, our bigger problem, I go is, back. well, yeah, go ahead. I'll. Well, I was just going to say, I go back and forth on the merits of continuity, right? So I feel like at best, a shared continuity establishes a grounding for these stories, which allows you to at least believe that there is, that there is gravitas, there's stakes, things that happen, happen. Like it allows you to immerse yourself in the story better when there is a thread line of some sort of continuity, whether it's squishy or not. However, I don't like to be chained to continuity for you to not be able to tell the story you want to tell. And I kind of enjoy sometimes just reading a run, knowing that it's separated from stuff. So like, I went back and started reading the the uh, Tomasi Rebirth Superman book, mm-hmm. um, which is very much of its time specifically in that continuity. So I'm just enjoying it as a standalone Elseworld thing. Mm. Like it, it doesn't matter that it doesn't match current continuity, nor do I have to do weird backflips in my head to make it all match. It's just a mm-hmm. good story. So I'm cool with that stuff. However, when you're trying to tell these global consistent or or um perpetual second act stories across the universe continuity does matter like it is a key feature it's not a bug um so stop faking it right and when you remove it like not just in a mechanics of how it works kind of way but when you remove this this history that has gone into these characters the second act falls a little flatter Right. Yeah. When you're like, oh, this is a brand new Superman that is very similar to the Superman that, you know, but we're still. And I know that they did this in crisis. I think it also took a while for that to kind of reestablish itself, you know, for um, things to progress and, and there to be while, stories to reference and that kind of thing. A while yeah. in, the, in that regards, a while was 20 years, whereas yeah, yeah. now a while is. A year and a half. 36, yeah. maybe. I think the new 52 lasted for five years. It was, it was 52 issues. They actually like everything cut off. Most, at, like 52 Anything issues. that started at the beginning. Yeah. It was 52 issues. Yeah. So yeah. it really only lasted for about five years. Yeah. And if that's an era now compared to what an era was before mm-hmm. we're screwed. Oh no. I'm I Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't think there was any intention that they were going to take that literally with the new 52. I think they realized they backed themselves into a corner where they had to kill off emo Superman, for instance, because he sucked. <laughs> um, and there were other kerfuffles of the universe. And I think we all saw the culmination of this with the ousting of that entire editorial crew quite recently in the yeah. past year and a half. Um, I think I, I don't think it was as organic. I think it was organic in its change and all. I don't think it was planned. I think that, you know, we got um, uh, what was it called where they brought all the timelines together. Not con- 
<laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, that was, I believe, a band-aid, not a plan. That was, uh, oops, we skinned, we tripped and skinned our knee. Now we need to splint. I don't think yeah. that was where Superman first, the one who eventually became basically the pre-New 52 Superman first yeah, appeared started. Right? Yeah. Good advice. Dehydrated, fellas. So a yeah. Twitch user, uh, Twiki Me, has just uh, asked us to, we've been going for two hours. It's a water check. Mm-hmm. Stay hydrated. I do love water, and I love drinking water. Good advice. Oh, and in a way, in a way, it's like segueing to something else, and then hopefully shutting this bad boy down. I just wanted to let people know, Brandon, you just reread a whole bunch of New Mutants. I actually just watched the New Mutants movie just uh, last night. Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. What happens at the end? Like the last ten minutes. Uh, there were there there were closing <laughs> credits. What um, but, they are long these days. <laughs> <laughs> what I did, you can definitely see where they kind of like stitched this get this movie. You know, took it apart and then stitched it back together from an R-rated movie to a like a YA more centered movie. Um, and it, I I will say that. But that not being said, it's not like. It's not a bad movie. It's it's okay. It's okay. It's 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 better than anything that, like the the Age of Apocalypse or Phoenix <laughs> stuff. Um, it's it's okay. It's okay. The, the people. It 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 it's unfortunately got a bad rap. I think it's we watched it. We watched it a couple weeks ago, and it is it's a television pilot. It's that level of decent. Like it's not. Yeah, garbage. I'll give you that. It's not incomprehensible. But it really feels like a CW show with a higher budget. Higher budget, yes, mm. yeah. I give you that. It's, it's, it's like got the tone in, of it is just like okay. It got locked in production hell for what? Three years? Four years? Three years? Yeah, yeah. It was a while. Yeah, they filmed it four years ago. When it's interesting that you say that it feels like it was changed from R to YA because based on what I remember the director saying, he was saying it wasn't that like heavy and it wasn't that scary and that the trailers were misleading and that. Mm. It, they actually were going back to make it more scary because that's what people seem to gravitate to based on the trailers. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that I you mean, felt that it was. But I be- I, and, and I believe him from that. But if I remember correctly, even after that, they went back in and mm-hmm. reworked it again. So yeah. they may have went in to like, oh, my God, the, the, the scary stuff is working. Let's, let's heighten that up. But then they said, uh, especially when it looked like. Um, 20th century is going to get sold to to Disney. They're like, ah, oh, we may need to like tone this thing down a little bit mm-hmm. um, because they didn't know where it was going to go, uh, what right. Disney was going to do with it. They didn't know Disney was then just going to shelf it. Um, and then and just future revenue, I think, that. is something they consider more nowadays. Oh, you know? yeah. So it's like, it's how will it be on the streaming service if it's going to be on Disney Plus? And, they, and, and, they also, like, and also, how well will this integrate within our plans for the mutant universe, right? We introduce right. these characters now, we could be backing ourselves into a corner when we finally need to launch our mutant cavalcade on right. the world. Do companies' right. credits now, like m- more so Disney than Warner right now, but I think Warner's getting there. To their credit, they're not necessarily talking down to the audience anymore when it comes mm-hmm. to cross-platform use of characters. Like, they're allowing for the space now for it to be like, yeah, that's the X-Men, and yeah, that, those are the Avengers. 
it's not the same. You guys know that. Like they're not that's like they're 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 not taking for granted that the audience is that stupid anymore because mm-hmm. superhero content is so prevalent. They know the difference between this to this. Well, and presumably I two Constantines will be running yeah, at the yeah, same time. And, or two and, flashes and like, will be having a up. Superman show and a Superman TV show yeah. like twenty years ago, that wouldn't happen. Right, period. Right. Like they wouldn't allow that to because they think the audience is too stupid to understand this is happening over here where this is happening over there. Like right. Warner now is kind of getting into it too, where it's just like, yeah, we have a television division. Yeah we'll do the Snyder cut garbage, but yeah, we'll also still explore like the movies and they don't necessarily have to connect. Just relax, which I actually appreciate. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And the future viability of the, of the, I think 20 years ago, Disney would be, would just straight up shelf all of the X-Men movies, period, put them in their vault. And that's that. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's like, yeah, it's content for the streaming service. Do it. Great. Awesome. We'll make new ones too. It's fine. Hey, put a lot of money into it already. It's already filmed. Mostly made. Why not? Len, did you have a question between the New Mutants movie and Brandon just reading the New Mutants comic book? Was there a tie there or just a segue? Just a segue. I didn't want to lose a point. If there were mm-hmm. a... No, I appreciate you, but no. no. Those are fun things. Have you guys ever written one of those? Well, uh, no. I time. want to, though. <laughs> comic book? What's that? <laughs> you don't no, comic books? Yeah, you don't write your comics? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was something I was going to bring up. Actually, comic book. Um, did we do recommendations? Because I know, like, um, do we? No. I was thinking, but I was thinking since we talked about House of X, Powers of X, recommendations for where to go from here. If anyone else has recently gotten into it, and I oh, wish Marauders no and the main X Men comic would be if yeah, you want to, if you like that and want more, that's where yeah. I would go. Yeah, I would recommend those. Hellions is also real good. I'm looking at I enjoyed Excalibur. I like that kind of thing. Excalibur yeah. was fun. Yeah. Okay. And the so first every X-Factor t- book. Every title. Every title. No. Yeah. no, that leaves out several, actually. Fallen uh, Angels, I would not personally read, and I think no that, that was Fallen many Angels people's opinion. Fallen Angels the only opinions. one that got canceled. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, Marauders uh, and the main X-Men would be my like hmm. small, you know, top, top few to do. I would um, also recommend New yeah. Mutants if you get the trade and you get the because New Mutants was written by Hickman and someone else. Hmm. If you just get the Hickman one, I think that was really good. The other one I think was just okay. Hmm. Hick, uh, New Mutants was good because it tried to capture a little bit of the vibe of like the heyday of New Mutants. That was kind oh, of really? Yeah. 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 Also, Rob, it does a two kind of sage thing where there's half of it take like every other issue oh, takes right. place. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, right. You forget about it because they're totally unconnected to each other. But one of them is out in space, completely different, like watercolor type art. Um, I like that one a lot. The other one is in oh, some somewhere. Oklahoma, I want to say, what's that? I want to say Oklahoma. Something, yeah, oh, like something. on a farm. It's like a farm. Yeah. There's like a drug running thing. I think that's where the. But Rob, like I was the yeah. one I the one they're talking about that was in space is the Hickman one. So like I was saying, if you just pick okay. up the Hickman trade, that one follows like the original New Mutants. They're like on a little mission together. And that one's real fun. The one on the farm has an interesting, it does interesting things for the world. Cause it's like, it's based, it does actually carry on from the house of X powers of X thing where it's like, mm-hmm. there's some terrorists who are upset because their country isn't getting the drugs. And so they're going to try and like stage a hostage situation to get the drugs. It's an interesting premise, but the story is not that great. But the, yeah. they're not the, they're not exactly the new mutants anymore, though. If they're forty two, right? Yeah. You said it follows yeah. the original new mutants. It's like space. the new Stone Age. You I know, mean, the crew. Yeah, like okay. it's, it's magic, rain, uh, Danny Moonstar, Karma, okay. Sunspot, yeah. Cannibal. Yeah. 
All characters I like. They've right. been killing all the younger mutants so that they remain <laughs> the, newest, <laughs> the newest mutants. <laughs> That's the reveal. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there shall be no future generations. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another recommendation. Since no link yeah. back yet to shut down the show. Uh, yeah. I watched on Netflix. There is a very cool animated series called Kid Cosmic from uh craig mccracken and it talks about this this kid who well this spaceship uh falls in the desert and and these rocks fall out fall from the the spaceship and this little kid finds the rocks and he just knows they have to be powered rocks that will give him superpowers and and he just guesses that and that's that's all that it's about that's that's all it is about and then like it, it hijinks ensue from there it's really cool it's done it's 2d animation but it's done in the way that it looks like it's almost like um a comic strip type of vibe to it um it is really really smart it's fun it's is it an 10 episodes or is this it's, it's the season it. one this is season okay. one it's 10 episodes um and it's just it's funny it's imaginative um, it's serialized, but you can still like rock into it. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Kid Cosmic on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Say hello, Kelly. <laughs> hello, Kelly. Uh, hey, Kelly. Hi, uh, I think, are, are, are we ready to wrap this up? I think. We're oh, yeah. yeah. We've been so, waiting, waiting for, for about you. 20 minutes, probably. Yeah. Wait, real quick. I also have a recommendation. I don't know if uh, anyone's seen this show called WandaVision. It's real good. Oh, what's that about? Oh. It's, a, it's a small, small pending show. Yeah, it's about superheroes. Well, I don't know if you guys like those, though. You know, it just occurred to me the other day, it's Westview or West something. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they were in Avengers West Coast. I wonder if that was a nod mm. or just a coincidence. It's possible, yeah. yeah. I think they were trying to play on a Westfield, New Jersey. That's, mm. you know, that is an actual real town. Oh, man. So, yes. mm, thank you for spending <laughs> the last two hours and 17 minutes with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had an amazing time today. I, I hope you guys did also. If you didn't, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> be sure to like and subscribe. Join the conversation. Join us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time where we podcast, stream, where we stream live, um, or just listen to us later while we post this everywhere. Now, next week might be a little different. We're doing our book club selection. And Saturday night. Also- it lands on JD's birthday. So we're going to try and do a gutter talk slash book club of day tripper by Gabriel Bond, Fabio moon. And maybe like a happy birthday, JD, if he could join us, um, which I hope he does. So join us for that Saturday then. night. It's going to be Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Saturday, Saturday night. night. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll toss the actual details at you when we know them for sure. But just mm-hmm. be sure to, if you want to know, be sure to follow us on Facebook. Be sure to follow us uh, on YouTube. Hit the bell notification so you get uh, the notification when we go live. Mm-hmm. So besides that, uh, I have been Noel. Len, tell the people where they can find you. Yo, holler at me every place you find a Black Tribbles or the Me Show Mission. Holla, holla, holla. Peace, be safe. Brian? Hey, I'm Brian Lieb. I'm at brianleibdesign.com. Brandon? I'm Brandon. I don't have anything. So just come here. Subscribe here. Yeah, you got a window in behind you. People I not. do. Yeah. Just come on over. <laughs> and the amazing Rob. Oh, thank you. I'm not so amazing anymore. I'm just Rob these days. Uh, and I want to do a podcast again. So if you're a Facebook buddy that's listening to this, give me some ideas because I'm 
I want to do it and uh, do it right. All right. That's all I got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much love, guys. Yeah. I missed you. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was great to have you, you Rob. Uh, Rob and Brandon. It was awesome. Right. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next right. week. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex. And young PA. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>